Hello and welcome to the Legendary Frogcast. I am your host, Joseph Blanchett, and with me is Mark Schneider. Hello. And the superest of bunny buns. Super bunny bun. Squeaky. Squeaky. And um, I guess I introduced this as the Legendary Frogcast, but this is another kind of uh, dual channel uh, podcast for our D&D show, because we're going to be talking some D&D stuff today. Told is... this? When, when, when are you going to tell me this? Um, well, I told you about. I told Bun like a couple hours ago. So, okay. Yeah, you, so... you were told. You just lo- you just failed your perception roll. Uh, well, it would be probably history because if it was told at some point a while ago, it would be a... anyway. Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. So the first for the first time <laughs> in the nearly two years since we started the D and D podcast, I don't have an active game going on. And that is kind of a big thing. So I figured, um, I figured, well, let's kind of look back at um, kind of the D and D games we played and kind of review the modules, see how we liked them, if we would uh, recommend it to people, um, and how you think our our games went. So a little bit of like a retrospective of of the D and D games we played as a podcast. What do y'all think? I like Dungeons and or Dragons. Mm. I'm waving my hands, Wayne's World like going do 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 do. Which ones do you which ones do you like more? Dungeons or Dragons? I mean, if I'm playing a Cobalt character, Dragons. If I'm playing a not Cobalt character, Dungeons. Hmm. If I'm playing a Dragonborn, then it's, you know, up in the air. Have you played a Dragonborn yet? Um, not in a long time, I don't think. Not at least as a a character that I would uh stick with. I do have some custom art for an old, old, like early started playing uh, Dragonborn that I had. Uh, some yes, the the three cobalt in a trench coat. I do have the three cobalts in the trench coat, but they are not a Dragonborn. You just think they're a Dragonborn. No, but that that's what's going to happen at some point. You're <laughs> going to play the three cobalts, but you're going to have it listed as a Dragonborn, or at least I, they're I, going to claim that they're a Dragonborn. I, I have a book legal version of a, a three cobalt trench coat character. I could do it. I could do it legally. Don't don't make don't try to stop me. Don't try to stop me. Us. Red trench coats are a legendary magic item and like <laughs> Impossible to get. Almost as dangerous as a cloak of billowing. Trench coat of holding. This trench coat can hold up to three characters of any size. <laughs> Is that a real thing? No, but it could be. Why not? It should be. <laughs> you have to be small, though. It has to be small creatures. It's a smaller medium, and it could fit. <laughs> no okay. centaurs. Yeah. I have th- three seven foot tall elves climb into it, and <laughs> everybody believe is absolutely assured that they're kobolds. <laughs> Looking at our first game on uh, YouTube, and it says February two thousand one. I could have sworn it was later than that. No, uh, it was. Um, so I was playing some other stuff online with uh, uh, my local game store group at the time when COVID started. Um, and uh, then I started playing with uh, playing with you guys. Uh, 
But didn't you start start out originally as uh, as podcasts? Uh, the video versions came later. Yes. Why are you answering, Mark? <laughs> because I knew the answer faster. Okay, so yeah, so we <laughs> first episode was a podcast, and then for some reason I waited a little bit to put on YouTube. So it was didn't around. We wanted to. We didn't know if we wanted to. Have a, oh yeah, I, I know what you mean. Cause, right, because you you did that more recently. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I think it kind of caught up, to, and and eventually it was like you know a week, week or so, and then like I'll caught up. Yeah. So um, uh, the around December of two thousand started the legendary broadcast playing D D together. But let's um, let's just talk about our experiences before that a little bit. Um, we were, well, um, we played before that, but after kind of with with a more established group, we did start Icewind Dale. Um, Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. We never completed it, but what do you guys think of that? We did about two-thirds of it, and then me and Bond in another game essentially had the part of the last of it. At least some one of the areas of the end of it that was homebrewed into that game. Um, but as the as the parts that we have done, I and me DMing it, I actually really like the uh, uh, like the Act One stuff when you're and, and I, yeah, actually Act One Act Two when you're basically going around the ten towns and then you're going around to the the area just outside of ten towns and it's this open world thing saying you can go to anywhere you want. Um, as long as it's not, you know, outside of the uh, the Arctic area, it's kind of the, it's kind of like the last big sandbox game Wizards uh, Wizards mm-hmm. have released, I think. Yeah, I, it it's um, I, open world um, RPGs can be very very difficult to deal with, especially homebrew ones. But uh, I don't think there's really very many in the um in uh, like written uh like here here's an entire country go explore it we don't care where you start <laughs> yeah um, because okay because this because i have the book this book is huge it's like like it, people have said like you can run this game a few times and like do totally different like act one and two stuff um just because there's so many locations you could potentially go to yeah, and apparently yep. there's a bunch of uh, hidden timers going off um, uh, when uh, events uh, trigger. Uh, so, so many starting locations as well. Um, but I, I do like the fact that it has enough. It it it, it Skyrim's it enough in which <laughs> um, no matter where you start, no matter where you go, there is always some plot or store uh, or something to do in that area. And yeah, they made it. They it's made got it a nice so... little invisible wall on the fact that the um, the entire place is covered with uh, covered in ice, and the further away you go from town, the colder it gets. So yeah, the um, DMing it, it was pretty much. I had no idea where you guys wanted to start. I forget if I chose where to start. We we randomly chose, or I had everybody just pick one. But I basically I prepped. Yeah, I basically prepped all of the. Um, the 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 towns at least the information and the maps and stuff that and then each of the quests that you were uh, possibly going to do within those towns or and just or at least starting in those towns 
This is definitely a um, game if I would have run it saying, okay, you guys tell me where you want to go next, like outside yeah. of the game, and, and that's what I'll prepare. <laughs> yeah. I, like, don't I you think that was dare go the part, other direction. I think that was part of the, what was it, Out of the Abyss is the one that you kind of start when you're captured by things in the Underdark, and it's basically the same kind of thing, except there's, instead of a million areas you can go, there's a million characters you can start to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even, even Wildmount... Um, it's, um, it, it, it's an open world place. It has a lot of stuff to do, but there's only about three or four pre-chosen starting locations, mm. I think. Oh, the, uh, critical role book? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. The, okay. uh, the one we recently ended up playing, I, I had never gone to. I ended up starting in an area called Hupperduke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was a, a very different area. You're talking about the like the adventure book or the um or I, the or the Wild Mount uh, adventure guide. Uh whichever it, it's probably I think it's the main campaign itself, um whichever that one is. The whichever yeah. one came out first. Oh, well that's not really a camp that's, that's like a campaign campaign sorry, a campaign setting, yeah. setting with a um with a couple of adventures. It's like uh, um, okay. The one we ran a, a, a few weeks ago was like one of the little adventures they include. Yeah, I, I, I try not to read the adventure sections of anything, so I don't know <laughs> yeah. where stuff comes from. Because I, I don't oh, like yeah. to spoil myself. Uh, so, um, oh, I've got a question uh, before we move away from the Icewind Dale one uh, too far. What do you think the campaign would have been like if um, uh, we ended up going with everybody's original uh, secret, in which uh, for for um, for viewers, the um, uh, the setting requires us to roll uh, for a random uh, secret to start out with, and one of them, which every single player ended up picking multiple <laughs> times, was we had a slot inside of us. Yeah, a little frog monster that pops out of our chest. I think it would have been fine for one of us, but like. I think we all knew the secret. Yeah, yeah. Every single one of us rolled slot at least once, and then we yeah. just, uh, no keep honestly until you get something else. Since Baldur's Gate three probably could have managed an entire party full of slots. Yeah, slot host. Maybe, maybe us... that's why the why the campaign ended suddenly. They don't give us the magic powers though. Fortunately, I mean... we basically have the embryo from Alien inside of us. So. Yeah. <laughs> so um... We never completed that campaign, but it ended in like a nice spot after we we fought a dragon. Um, and a little bit after that, I realized yeah. that um, wanted to play more D anD D. I would probably have to run it myself. <laughs> um, so we started a very brief homebrew campaign, which uh, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, it was kind of interesting, but I realized I was. I wasn't making a story for the players. I was making a story for, you know, myself and my character and the characters I made. I was like, oh, this isn't working. This is not <laughs> anime And we met Bun. That's where we met Bun. Yeah. Uh, but the, um... oh, go ahead. I was going to say, every, every DMs have to start some. And yeah. it's, it's no matter how you do it, it's going to be a bumpy road. And Trial by the fire. Fact that you're able to, yeah. Trial by <laughs> fireball. Essentially, <laughs> I, I had this, I he... this on my head where like, oh, adventures are going to be too cliche. They're not as going to be good as like what I come up with. 
<laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to say have like a, a chip on my shoulder, but I, I guess I didn't. You thought you could handle the more complex things. It, it seemed easier than it actually is. Yeah. And that's understandable. It's one of those things like you, you have to go a little bit. You're like, oh, this is this is how this works. This is the best way to do things. This is yeah, then you like can start I, trying different things. I chose a little bit um of like a different act, like a, a path where like we're playing kind of like not bad guys, but we're playing like um monsters, monster like characters. monster races who are who are fighting against like who you would normally think were the good aligned races. I got to be a knoll. Yep, and, my name and, was Brambles. And, and like parts of it were fun, but parts of it I realized, oh, this takes way too much work. Um, <laughs> so that's when I decided to look at one of the starter sets. Um, the only reason I didn't go with Path of Fandelver is because I think you and Bryce have already played it. Um, but there was mm-hmm. a new one came out, the Essentials Kit that has the Dragon of Ice Fire Peak in it. At the time of this recording, this is the this this is the second starting kit that the game they've yeah, now come this out. Came out this came out like one? right before the pandemic started, so yeah. it was still pretty new. Um, I was going to do Tomb of Annihilation, um, but I like started looking at it. I was like, "Oh my god, there's so much stuff here." <laughs> that, yeah, that one's got a lot. And I realized, okay, this is obviously for someone a little bit more advanced. This one says <laughs> it's for beginners, you know. Um, it's honestly like I haven't I've only played in that one. I haven't DM'd it. I've DM'd Pandelver. That was my first DMing as well. Because it was a simple one. Or I, mm-hmm. I say simple, it's a it's a it's a good introductory one. Okay, it has work. all it has little bits of everything. But go ahead. That's a backtrack. We'll talk about Fandelver too, because even though it was not the podcast, um I did mm-hmm. end up running it um like at the same time as this. With, with some other friends, right? Um, but yeah, the Dragon of Icefire Peak has a uh, kind of. This is around the same time as Icewind Dale, actually. So they kind of use the same like quest milestone system, mm-hmm. um, where you level up after you're doing a certain amount of quests. Like I think this mod came first, and then Icewind Dale kind of uh, like- made a little complicated yeah so so they they've always had a milestone variant and really if you look at some of the campaigns um most of the campaigns even even as they were going from starting out in fifth edition they really are kind of set up at okay you can uh level up here or if you kill all the monsters and do all these things you'll get enough experience to level up here and they really just try to tie doing all the necessary stuff with uh, the amount of XP you get. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could still quantify leveling up. Yeah, that, that's the big thing I realized when I compared Fandelver to um, Ice Spire is since Fan- uh, Minds of Fandelver still used XP for the most part, mm-hmm. Uh, they had to put a lot of filler stuff in. Like, let's just put more monsters in this dungeon. Let's do more kind of quests that don't mean anything. Just so you can have enough XP to level up. Uh, while, is... oh. while a Dragon Vice Fire Peak just had, like, if you do two quests, then you level up. Doesn't matter what yeah. you do on the quest, you gain a level. I would actually find it interesting, because I'm a nerd, uh, I, I would find it interesting to, like, go back in notes and stuff like that, and 
like tally up the experience to see would people have leveled up at the same uh, same pacing as if we ended up using milestone um and then there's but then it would also be like um would it be like everybody gets the same amount of xp or is it xp <laughs> shared or like if, if you oh, kill right. something that gives you 500 experience it doesn't all everybody doesn't gain 500 it's 500 for the entire party yeah but, I mean, that's the rule you uh you split it up yeah it's but depending on so... how many players you have <laughs> we have moved like D&D has moved way beyond that. We have really gotten to a point where your level is what, how you are experiencing the world at this point. When you're done, when you've done enough of this sort of experience of this world, you can then move on rather than just having a quantifiable sort of you've killed this many things, you've discovered this many things and uh, do it. However, if we were to go ahead and do a mega dungeon, if we were actually go ahead and do Mad Mage or uh uh, some of the other ones. I'd be totally okay with having the um, experience system, as it's more about going to every room, finding every monster, doing what you do, clearing out the place. Even in that That's one, though, you, you can do like a pretty rough, like um, when you go down a level, then you gain a level. Yeah, it's the the idea is that the everything on the levels is enough to level you up. So yeah. if you stay in the level and clear it out then you're fine. If you find staircase down and want to keep going, uh, then you're you're not quite ready to level up. Um, and the I, sense of a mega dungeon, that's sort of what you do. You don't just keep going. You stop, back up, refix yourself, and then uh, you know, rest and whatnot, and then go on again. It would be hilarious if they ended up going, especially in like old school, like, um, like if there was no milestone, it all had to be experienced. If somebody <laughs> did that, but they ended up calculating so that um, everything that is on, on is on a level or uh, on each level is exactly the amount of experience you need to level up to the next one. So you have to bas basically go completionist mode and search down <laughs> every single monster on that level. Otherwise, you uh, it starts. Uh, otherwise, you uh, uh, you're you're late in your uh, your leveling. Yeah, so I'm looking at a release schedule. Night Spire Peak, I think, was the first official milestone adventure, and everyone after that has been has been milestone. It's a lot easier. I I um I I lived through the experience uh, age, and I am quite happy with my uh, going to milestone. I don't need to yeah. keep track of every single goblin I've killed. Anyway, um, about the Night Spire Peak adventure. Yes. Um, what are your um I, I kind of after it was done, I um kind of was like, well, I don't know if this was very good or not, but in in hindsight, I'm kind of like it. I have like a lot of fond memories of it, I think <laughs> it had a lot of good I don't remember some of it, but you're not gonna remember every moment of every of, of a campaign anyway. There's always going to be. Uh, uh, to use the term again, milestones of um, uh, events that will it will always come to your to your memory, and there were quite a few in that one. Uh, even though I think I sp spent about one fourth of the campaign in a bathroom. Oh yeah, you uh, came in after like two or three sessions. Um, <laughs> yeah, so somebody had to leave, and so I, I filled in. Oh no, place. I think it was Ro. I was like, wait, why isn't Bun playing with us? <laughs> it's like, come on, Bun, get in here. <laughs> 
They're like, wait a second, we need. I don't have all the options on D and D Beyond. Let's get Bun in here. Yeah. <laughs> um. I think it was because we, you had already hit the um, the suggested number of players and uh, was worried that stuff would get off balance or something if more people came in. Uh, it, it, it's been no, way no, too long to remember the specifics. Uh, still invited you. I, yeah. I, just think, I just think it was like, oh, well, um, for some reason Bun isn't here. <laughs> I, <laughs> I stuck around and I listened uh, the first few sessions because I was... Oh, you're the, recording. Like, yeah, you're I was the alternate course, yeah. uh, recording system since... Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was always weird. It's like, oh, Bun's just listening. You should be a part of it. Um, <laughs> it yeah, it was kind of weird in this adventure where it ended up, half of it ended up being not about the dragon that's on the cover. Well, the like, other half like, has to be dungeons. Well, like the other half was about like the the uh, Talos cultist, which I guess is kind of related to the dragon because they're the reason they're Warden Icefire Peak anymore. But like you know, the dragon was this kind of okay. Here's the start, um, and then he doesn't show up until the end. Well, you know what it is. This is also a bit of a PR thing, the branding because. When you play Dungeons and Dragons for the first time, you expect there to be Dungeons and Dragons. Realistically, you're not really going to fight dragons early on in the game because they're dragons. But you know, for all the art and the the the, the uh, branding and and packaging and whatnot, you want to have a giant dragon on the cover. Yeah, all, all three star sets have had a dragon on it. Yep. Um, yeah. And there's barely a dragon in the first one, in Fandelver. It's a yeah. side quest that you can sort optional. of go to. Where no one's going to do it because the dragon's way too hard. Didn't you say that um, whenever we went out onto the uh, the world map, there was a percentage of him showing up? Yes, so I, I did add that to sprinkle it throughout the adventure to remind you guys that he was still out there. Um, yeah, so yeah, the Green Dragon Fandelver, and then the newest one, Dragons of Stormwreck Isle, has like this huge adult blue dragon on the cover, but um, it's actually kind of one of my criticisms about the adventure is like that's not part of the adventure. <laughs> um, the bad guy is this like little blue wormling, not a, uh, a full blown dragon. dragon. We, we almost prevented dragon. the blue dragon from even showing up. Yeah. Um, that is. For later on the podcast, um, <laughs> I, I, I do think in hindsight, like um, bang for your buck, uh, Dragon Vicefire Peak is kind of um, like you get your you get your money's worth with this one because it's longer than Fendelver. It's a little more varied. Um, I don't know if the adventure is as good as Minds of Fendelver, but Fendelver just hits like everything that you want without without kind of like overstaying its welcome it's got you know your initial you start off with essentially in a fight your first thing is a, a tough but manageable uh cave dungeon uh you then get a town you then get an old quests to do around the world and then eventually leading you to a large dungeon in a boss fight and it's like this is perfect it's a perfect little it's a goal to encompass Everything a D like a, a a big sprawling D and D adventure would have, but condense it into like a five level game. Yeah. And for that, I think for the most part, they definitely succeeded. And it's really good for their the fact that that was you know one of the introductory products of fifth edition. Yeah, but I think Tiamat was first, but then they came out with the starter set. Well, technically, it was. 
Twice so was... Tiamat was the second part of that first one. Oh yeah, Core of the Dragon Queen, yeah. Yeah. What what okay, I think the star set was first and then then um then uh Horde of the Dragon Queen. I assume they just came out roughly all the same time, although they were doing massive um uh massive uh playtesting, open playtesting. That yeah, was probably I mean, those things. Um, like the story is like they're releasing adventures, but the actual like Dungeon Master Guide and Monster Manual didn't come out till like <laughs> months later because just because of publishing. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're doing the same thing for uh, the the um, revised. The, the monster manual was definitely came out afterwards. Yeah, mm. yeah the player's guide and all that stuff. Even even this the new books are coming out. Like they're all going to be staggered. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I so. I ran Fandelver during when I was doing Aspire Peak for another group. I was like, oh man, I got the the DM itch, and it turns out I had some other friends wanted to play. And I can't remember if it was during Ice Fire Peak or when we started the uh, the follow up to that. But regardless, it wasn't it wasn't recorded, but it's still canon in the <laughs> Legendary Frogcast Play D and D timeline. For those who don't know, Joey tries to set up all of his games so they take place in the same timeline. Yeah, there's a few hiccups here and there. But for the most part, it's like the Zelda timeline. Uh, in in theory, if you don't really pay attention too well, it can all make sense. But just just don't pay attention too much to the details. Another good thing about Dragonfire Spire Peak is if you bought the physical edition, it came with a D and D Beyond code for a whole other adventure. Um, that continued on from that story, which went to like level. 11 or 12. Um, so we decided to run that afterwards. It's a trilogy of adventures, which I call the Ties of Decay. Um, I know, Bun, you were part of that whole one, and Mark, you were in the first, in the first part, I think. What happened in the first part? Oh, uh, yeah, you retired Darkin. You were a, a, you were a tiefling. Um, oh yeah, it, yeah. The darkness. Uh, oh, the you're darkness right, right. Yeah. The I forget what I called him, but yeah, he he, he could see in the dark, in a magical dark, and in like twelve, like 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 120 feet in magical darkness. And, yeah, so you would, yeah, yeah, so you would like cast darkness. You were able to see everything. <laughs> he could pretend. He could also at times see into the ethereal plane. Yeah, so he could see through walls for a minute. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of fun, but like there was a part where you're in a haunted tower, and it was like. That's just kind of cool because you can see like where the ghosts were. Yeah. Like, all the elements. <laughs> um, so this was. Like, oh, uh, we can't get into this one room. And I'm like, wait a second. I can look through the wall for a minute and then I can teleport into there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. So, so good. this was uh, Stormlord's Wrath and then uh, Sleeping Dragon's Wake and then Divine Contention. It was a very long game that took like 40 episodes to do. Uh, you think that's because you are a slow DM or you had slow players? Uh, yes. I, I played <laughs> the fifth on that second one. <laughs> there was one of them, the Haunted Tower, actually, which I took. I think took three games. Um, yeah, it took three games. I thought it was only take two at maximum. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, 
no, it so... really does depend on a lot on how many players you have, how much they're into role playing, how good they are at finding stuff, how quick they are at figuring out what to do with combat. Because some people you're like, okay, move over here, fireball, move over here, and done. And other people are like, uh, do I want to swing? And most, most importantly, uh, for the slowdowns, uh, how many people are going to focus on the chair that's in the corner of the room that you just happen to mention <laughs> yeah. in the description of it that it has absolutely yeah. nothing to do with anything, but we're going to solve the puzzle of it. In, in that in that haunted tower, there were these statues, and everyone's convinced that they were the secret puzzle they had to solve. And it was like, no, I mean, there's something there, but it has nothing to do with the puzzle. Yeah, and as a DM, you're not allowed to just outright say it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think... One of the faults with um, Dragon Vice Fire Peak and these follow-up ones is the player scaling. Um, it is cool that they scale it from um, like two to six, like five or six player characters. Um, but eventually, it gets to be like too much. Like it's saying, like add an extra orc for every character that's in the party. <laughs> it's like, well, that makes sense, but like, that means there's a lot of orcs, means there's a lot of characters. Adventures <laughs> League modules uh, do this because you can you generally play between three and seven, and they scale it based on what your average player level is. And sometimes it'll just be add more uh, uh, if you're stronger than average, you know, add more things. Or sometimes it's change this to this, which is a stronger monster. So instead of increasing the quantity, you increase the quality yeah from one eventually because i saw i kind of like that a little better where sometimes it just adds an extra creature but um but sometimes they'll add like a different type of monster that's a little stronger kind of yeah, make up the difference. Hit point by an extra uh, hit die or something yeah i'll do that too yeah um and i think it it works in some places but in some places like oh we're fighting five air, air elementals now and that's kind of crazy you know things like yes. that uh, CR is a uh, is a very uh, strange statistic. Mm. Um, the the idea behind it is that, however the math works out, is that four people of level X can defeat, uh, on average, a CR of that level. So a CR one can be easily taken, normally taken down by four level one characters. And this is why you have CR one half, one fourth, and one eighth. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, always work. The problem yeah. with CR is it's broken. It doesn't work. <laughs> I, th I think it's based primarily off like hit points and possibly armor class or something. It doesn't yeah. really uh, take into into account uh, status effects or special yeah. abilities and, so and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, even even the devs admit like like CR is fine, uh, but it can't. Yeah. It's not really super reliable as um, a starting spot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like when when you get more advanced, you start you start to know like what your what your players can handle, and um, you're able to because like after a certain point, players can start taking on way higher challenging creatures, and still not really have too much of a hard time. And keep keep in mind that we're talking as people who have never really DM'd more than maybe level ten, because when you get into those fifteens uh, and up, things, things are different. Are, things, things are, are very better. different. <laughs> There's a one shot that came out with uh, Bigby's uh, Book of Giants. That's like a level 16 adventure, I think. Yeah. 
Oh, like just like a one shot. I kind of want to run that just because it's so high. And I, and I know that um, a Planescape um, has a level skip that's like pretty yeah. high. Got but as for the adventure here, um, so this this was the adventure with the uh, Talos and Merkel cults. Um, do you remember liking this adventure? I did. I it um. Uh, it was. It, it had a lot of interesting little features. The um, uh, having to protect uh, um, uh, Fandolin was pretty much well off on its own at this at that point when uh, Chapter Two started, and um, so we ended up moving to a new town and having to protect that and investing in um, Leyland, yeah. building it, uh, building it up. Um, uh, little. Uh, adventures and um, uh, and fixes uh, and stuff that we, um, yeah. that came from it. Yeah, and, uh, like how uh, every every chapter, um, Leylon like got more buildings, more residents, um, so there's more NPCs. Although at a certain point, I noticed like you started not to care about the new people. <laughs> it was just the people that you already knew. Um, so, I like, think it was also that. Um, like when when a blacksmith showed up, uh, apart from uh, me wanting to craft something, we never really had much of a reason to interact with them. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just they were there, but um, and we didn't have, uh, and we were just in different circles, kind of thing. Yeah, and like there was like a like a shrine of Timora, I think, opened up or like some sort of god. But at that point, like you already knew the uh, Lathander priest really well, and yeah, it was, like, it was just like another thing. Um, there yeah, are some doc people, but we already learned how to t how to speak parrot at that point. <laughs> oh, that's right. Like I, I just, I don't think this was part of a book. Uh, on a whim, I decided to have a character um, not be able to speak or be deaf, uh, but they could talk through their parrot familiar. Um, but they still talk through sign language. That was right. Cool. Oh yeah, the sign language. Yeah. Um, Zorsaki, that was my character's name. Zorsaki, the Scented Blade. He uh, he tried to learn some sign language from it, and I failed my role. And I think I just learned how to identify if somebody was speaking in in whatever uh, common sign language would be. I remember I added um, like Tasha's. This came out, so I added a uh, tattoo parlor, like new magic tattoos. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, I think I think someone. That eventually, I think Dustin liked the tattoos. Oh, yeah, with Dustin? I, the that and the curiosity shop were, I think, people's favorite sections of town. Oh, the God. moment anybody ever had gold, we ended up going over there. It's like, what do you got today? Nobody I could say the, I peculiarity the shop. Peculiarity. Oh, yeah, that uh, shopkeep who ended up being a ghost. Um, he was one of the blades of Leylon. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was a lot of fun. Just a lot of wacky stuff there. Um, I definitely like this adventure. It had the quest structure like Icebuyer Peak. Um, and it built up to this overarching plot with this uh, artifact. Um, but I didn't like the last chapter. I thought it was kind of weak. Uh, with the sudden appearance of demigods? Kind of, yeah. Like It kind of started out normal. Um, the questing was wasn't that good in the first parts, but then like the 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 siege on the um, siege on the town happened. Like the two cults attacked at once, 
Um, and that was a lot of fun. And like the dragon, like the possessed dragon came, and that was a cool fight. Um, Try, I'm trying to remember these things. I can't remember that. Yeah, much you weren't. I don't think you were in. Oh yeah, I was. I was in and out that game. I think. Yeah. Um, and then like when you go and face the cults, I didn't think it was very good resolution. Story like story wise, like campaign story wise. I did like the um, uh, the uh, the surprise plot of uh, them trying to uh, infect the dragon uh, with uh, what they were trying to resurrect. I, um, I, I wasn't expecting that to happen. Yeah, uh, there was um, Gnawbone, old Gnawbone, was being possessed by Ebon Death. Yeah. Yeah, that was a cool part. Yeah, those sound like Dungeons & Dragons names. Those were like old school dragons. They have these weird <laughs> names that were hard to pronounce, too. <laughs> um, like, Humbligalatar, I think was the name of old jaw, Jawbone. Uh, a Gnawbone, but... um. Yeah, the, the final boss of that was a was an ancient, essentially an ancient black dragon, um, and even for I think we're level eleven at the point. We had six players. Even at that point, like that dragon was like just decimated everyone. I just basically had to like cut like do a little cheating and just say you defeated him because like there was no way you were going to win. You mean you mean like, I didn't do it for real? No, you didn't defeat the a... dragon for real. But you said we defeated the dragon for real. It's <laughs> Even the ice spire one you know, nearly killed everyone um with like it did the the strafing run and almost everybody yeah. was down. Yeah. It, I... the, uh, it luckily my uh, my character had um uh, mass healing word and um it was away from the rest of the group. Yeah, so so that one, I I over prepped it, and also I think I did a good job because um, one I added way too many ads in the ice fire fight for a cryovane. I wish I didn't do that, but um, uh, the, the methods. Yeah, the methods that turned into little ice dragons. A cool idea, but it ended up separating the party too much. Um, and the battle went on too long. But I realized. Six level six players are gonna decimate a young white dragon in like a round or two. It's not gonna be much of a fight. So I basically gave them um adult white dragon stats, but I kept the damage as a as a young white dragon. So that mean it had like legendary actions and then lair actions and more hit points and stuff. Um and that buffed it up. So if I ever do that again, I'm definitely gonna if I well, if I run it for like a lot of people, um, I'll do kind of the same thing. And but the other game didn't do anything like that. Like there was, even the book says like your party probably can't defeat an ancient black dragon. So I'm like, yeah, they probably can't. <laughs> Going back to Fandelver with that dragon fight, it specifically says that if you get it down half health, it'll fly away. At least in the original. Uh, uh, my party killed uh, it when I played it the second time. They yeah, came they... back as a higher level, though, didn't they? Yeah, they came back after at level five after they yeah. uh, defeated um, Black Spider. Yeah, you generally and, uh, you generally fight it at level three. <laughs> yeah, and um, I think even in the new version, they made it even easier. Like at like a quarter, if they take off like a quarter of the health, it flies away. But um, <laughs> but yeah, like I said, okay, and I, and I knew they would probably be able to defeat them, but it still might be a tough fight. So I said, okay, I'm going to just 
I'm gonna not hold back. This is gonna be a full ass dragon fight. Yeah, it, it was a fun fight. Uh, yeah. The the running away seems like a common trend now that I think about it. Because <laughs> um, in um, in Icewind Dale, uh, we had that uh, that with the white dragon, uh, where the um, uh, the rider oh, yeah. on his back. If we topple that off, it flies away. Oh, you definitely have well, to. It, so that one, if if he topples, he you can escape because he won't be focused on you. Yeah, he will ask for your help, and if you help him, he'll thank you and then go right back to fighting you. <laughs> Spoiler. Spoiler. Yeah. Um, but there's multiple dragons <clears throat> in that game, so... Yeah, but my first group didn't even fight the dragon. They are like, we're not fighting a dragon. And then my next one uh, came back after the campaign was done. and It was it was still pretty easy, but um, there was definitely like, oh, you're all lined up for my breath attack. That's nice. <laughs> but we had a, um, a Warforged who was resistant to poison, I think. And um, Venom Fang was a a green dragon, so they spit poison, so like <laughs> um they were barely taking any damage throughout the entire yeah. thing. Um all right, so as we were running that, um I, I finished Fandelver and I was like, being a DM is nice, but being a player is better. And that's when we gathered up uh Bun and um and the twins. And Mark ran Waterdeep Dragon Heist for us. Uh, yep. Something I had run once or twice before uh, for other groups. Um, so I was used to it. I had still tripped up on some of the facts at one point. I completely mixed up two characters as you were interacting with one. Keep but... talking for one second. I don't get some more water. La, 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 la. Yeah, it's a... Um... I I really like that as a as a nice level one to five adventure level. It gives you a chance to do what you want, do your own things at level uh, in like chapter two or or three. Yeah, it was chapter two yeah, where you can just got like, up to level five with it. That's where that's how far you go with it. Is um yeah. chapter yeah. chapter two is uh basically here's some quests that you can do, and it doesn't even give you a lot of detail on those quests, so you can just make up whatever you want. Which is kind of nice as a as a newer DM tool for saying you don't have to go by the way you can make up your own thing. Yeah, chapter one was like um, get a house, and chapter yeah. two was like fill the house with stuff. Um, I just like do stuff with it, um, make odd jobs, or, or like like pay for everything and stuff. And um, chapter, chapter three was who the hell just firebombed my house? <laughs> yeah, we just got the paint job in. <laughs> chapter uh, four is I, uh i think the confusion that you were having with uh sometimes was the fact that you were also you were you were running the exact same campaign for people at your local store um but a, a, a different um season i don't i don't remember if I was doing that at the same time i may have been i don't remember but uh if not it was like right after or something yeah. but um the information between the two was uh getting phased uh in and out it sometimes. Could have been, yeah. Not as bad when we were doing Spelljammer. We'll get to that later. I'm sure he comes back. <laughs> yeah, you're doing that the I was same. running the, Oh, there you go. Yeah, I was I ran that in tandem with another group. <laughs> God bless Yeah, Waterdeep. Waterdeep. Pretty fun. Pretty good one. It was uh I think it's um uh, one of my two favorite ones. Uh, the other one we'll get to later, but um, I, I 
I, I really love uh, the roleplay aspect of D&D, and um, everybody just fell in with, with the roleplay for it. Uh, yeah, was that, so... was, that was my favorite part of this one, um, was just uh, the, the character dynamics and how everyone worked. And even when, like, the plot kind of messed up, we kind of, like, ran with it and had fun with it. And yeah. All that stuff. Well, at one, well, at one point, you helped the bad guy get away, yeah. and I was like, "Well, I got to call an audible for you to figure out what to do." And that's when I had I had Trench come in and actually talk to you. <laughs> it's like, listen, you messed that up, works. Joey. <laughs> you weren't supposed yeah, to do was, that. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, and that's that's also you. Also, when um, Bun, you and uh, one of the twins almost opened up a book that would have sicked three specters on you. On poor Simon. Yeah, luckily I failed a roll. <laughs> yeah, that uh, luckily you didn't have knock. Holy yeah, crap! But yeah, it's uh, as far as the module itself goes, or at least I would yeah, say like, the world building of that thing. You can you think you can it's go like, around anywhere in the city, which is really nice. Do you think it's like a good beginner adventure for a DM, or is it? A I would bit say too a much? beginner. I'd say maybe let that be your your number two when you really want to start stretching your legs. Yeah, uh, because it does. As you were saying when Joey when you were gone, is that it's got chapter two is about the DM doesn't have specific things for their characters to do. They've got quests that are just described, but not like drawn out, not 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 um planned out or anything like that. So let's Yeah, probably yeah, probably as a player that. might be a good one, but as a DM yeah. you're right. Like you have to especially in the first parts, you really have to Yeah. Like build but, out all the questing and stuff. Plus there's also if if something bad happens and the bad guys get the Stone of the Lore, uh you could potentially go on to a fifth uh, a fifth chapter or another time, just go to one of the the hideouts. They actually have a hideout for each of the the four faction leaders there, in case they have you have to go and do something at one of those places, which is not in the main adventure. But it says, "Hey, the bad guys might be able to get the key. Uh, yeah. just do something with that." I kind of wonder because we kind of we weren't really adventurers in that story. We're kind of just everyday people and a vigilante. <laughs> they kind of got like. Um, wound up in this adventure, but I wonder if you played that more as an adventuring party, if, like, you would go into those hideouts more and, like, I don't know. Be, yeah, be or or if the DM, the, the DM were better at weaving the story around the various factions in there, because all the faction stuff, the faction fighting generally happens off-screen, not away, mm -hmm. just away from you, so... You know, plenty of it's ripe for adding a whole bunch of like story stuff that can be thrown into the the character plot. Um, but yeah, a, a fun adventure if uh, your DM and players know like a little more RP focus, a little more open ended. Yeah, and uh, something that we played um, during that uh, with a little one shot that we also did. Oh, the. Oh, um... Minimized Mage? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so not a official um, Wizards product, but we played an uh, adventure called Mansion of the Minimizing Mage. And uh, that, that, was a, that was just a fun module. Um, Basically, good... Joey wanted to... No, jo yeah, Joey wanted to run something, so I jumped in as the, the fourth character with my Conan the Librarian character. Um, so Joey could run, take two or three days to run a little side quest 
Yep. Um, I, I was only eight episodes in. It's pretty early, all things considered. But um, yep, chapter two. Chapter two. Yep. I was saying, oh, this is a little three adventure. Sounds neat. I want to run it. Like, it, it, okay. it was a good time for it too, because we were basically just looking around for odd jobs and stuff to do, and yeah. somebody <laughs> invited us over. Just by the end, it's like, here's a lot of money. It's like, oh, good. We I'll don't have go. to do. We don't have to do side quests anymore. You got a. You got a cat. You got an ooze cat. You yep. got. A we got a surprising amount of NPCs for our tavern. <laughs> Simon still has the very large fork. Yep. The giant fork of the giant knife. <laughs> um, Simon came back for that one sh- for that um, yeah, candle yeah. keep game for a little bit. I imagine he has that knife in his uh, in his room in his closet somewhere. <laughs> I, I never even equipped it. Oh no, it was a big pen, wasn't it? Um, I forget, but uh, it it was basically a weapon, so he never saw the purpose. Yeah, of it, it was it was a yeah. spear in terms of weapons, but it was magical where he could uh, draw stuff and have it come to life. Right. <laughs> but um, I don't think he ever did that. It was like a, a summon animal. Like if you drew a wolf, then a wolf would appear. Ah, he's yeah, got yeah. bad penmanship. Yep. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> this bad, like two D drawing of a, of a dog comes out. I, I, he was a scribe wizard. He he had a magic pen that drew, that wrote for him. Yep. And is mightier than the sword. Especially right, nice. Fireball. Good adventure. I like it. Yes. Yeah. Let's see here. What came... So during all this, we're still running um, the Icefire Peak sequel because it was very long. Um, and that was like a year and a half. Yeah, like the entire thing <laughs> took a year and a half. I mean, yeah, because like 40, uh, 40, 40 for that, and then like 26 for Icefire. And then we had like um, some Candle Keep games in between there, too. Not to mention all the couple of one shots and the smaller things that we had, even before uh, uh, you took over as DMing, Joey, because we had, um, oh, God, what was it? The, the one to three adventure in Tales of the Yawning Portal. Uh... Well, that actually came when. Uh... It's part of the official Legendary Frogcast D&D timeline. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. Because uh, it was in the before times. Yeah, after we completed, uh, I think, was it called? Ah, Sleeping Dragon's Wrath, um, I ran the Solo Citadel, which was the first D&D game where I was a player when Mark ran it. I ran. So this is a good one. What do you guys think of the Solo Citadel? So this was originally a 3.5 adventure, and they translated over to 5e. And uh, I, I, yeah, I really, other than the fact that this poor town that can only spend 50 gold on an apple once a year, <laughs> using all their money together, somehow the reward is like 100 gold for each of you from the shopkeep. Yeah, I was wondering <laughs> about that too. Other than that, solid, solid. Uh, yeah, like the town has to gather all their gold to buy this. Magical apple. Well, maybe or... maybe it's the shopkeep they're giving the money to. <laughs> no, they're giving it to the goblins. Yeah, the goblins are just, I don't know, burying it or whatever. <laughs> uh, no, the shopkeep's like, oh, they, need, they need 50 gold pieces for this. And the goblins are like, you got a couple copper? <laughs> so I like this dungeon a lot. Because um, while it is a old school dungeon crawl, um, I think it has a very good structure with the, um, like the kobolds, right? And uh, it, it has NPCs you can actually remember the names to, uh, like Meepo, yep, Erky. 
Rafiki, Meepo. I I ended up playing this with a completely different group, but uh, I rather enjoyed it myself. Uh, Um, Was the uh, what happened to the uh, the dragon tamer uh, in yours? Oh, Meepo. I didn't. uh, If I recall, when I ran it. Uh, I initially had it not do the the ice breath, and I had Meepo just try to like to just try to like um, uh, go in and, and grab it, uh, grapple it, and he succeeded. And so I was like, oh, well, that kind of throws things off, and so I don't have to just kill everybody right out. If I were to redo it, I would totally kill Meepo, like like probably have him just get one shot by the ice. <laughs> Mine got his head bit off. <laughs> yeah, um, he failed it. Uh, animal. He rolled a one on an animal handling. Yeah, so I, I had Meepo approach um the dragon. I forget his name, but um, but it was like, okay, little dragon, we're gonna go back to your cage and all that stuff, and like make it obvious that the dragon like didn't want to be, or like the wormling, I should say, like didn't want to be like held held captive, even though Meepo was kind of nice about it. Um. I, yeah, that's but why then, you like him so much because he he was a care he actually liked uh, the dragon and supposedly yeah, he, treated he him was well. very he was very proud of his position, and so he's okay time to go um like time to go back to your thing and then like he pulled out a um like a leash or like a you know like a muzzle, and that's when the wormling was like, I'm not, I'm not having this. So I said, <laughs> yeah. the dragon is about to lunge towards Meepo. What do you do? And uh, short stack was playing like a, a furball who loves nature and stuff. She was like, oh, I'm going to try to protect Meepo. I said, okay, roll a dexterity versus the dragon. <laughs> and she like didn't roll high, high enough. So um, I described it as uh, the lawyer in Jurassic Park when he got eaten. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was just thrown around like a rag, a rag doll. So Meepo yeah. did not um, live to see another day in my game. <laughs> But then yeah, the... it was like trying to get a cat into a cage when you use the word vet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then the best part was um, when we didn't return with the dragon, the cobalt matriarch was like, like, yo, where's the dragon? And so uh, Randy convinced her that Meepo was a traitor um, that like <laughs> sided with all the goblins in the, in the place. And like took the dragon with them, and so Meepo was like a traitor to his people in my version, <laughs> where they like <laughs> damned his name and all that stuff. <laughs> Pretty funny. Um, I think uh, we we were worried if the uh, the kobolds were going to attack us or not, so uh, we actually just like um, we managed to grapple it and push it in the direction of where the kobolds were. Um. Yeah, so I like this adventure because, like I was saying before, it is a kind of a traditional dungeon crawl, but it has a good like quest hub with those kobolds, um, and all the all the elements of the dungeon like fit really well together. Um, yeah, the final boss was really interesting. Uh, the uh, the tree was was kind of cool. Oh yeah, you got, the, a, mid, the... you got a mid-level boss in an area, which is kind of neat. Yeah, like the dragon. It, the yeah, like the wormling is like pretty tough at one at first level, but it's definitely doable. Um, yeah, and the um, it, uh, depending on how you handle the uh, the uh, the final boss, um, you can also go a dark route as well. It's like it, it, I want to eat the apple, <laughs> but you can get like turned into like a tree slave. 
Yeah. You like take take the the druids off her. Yeah, the yeah but Gulf nobody tells you. tree, the Golthias tree, Gulf which Thias is, tree. I think something from Strahd, if I recall, because oh. I remember looking up that oh. name. So there there is a or yeah there is a, there is a there is a Golthias uh, there is Gulf a tree in Strahd and in um and in uh, Icefire Peak. Coming soon to vi- uh, to video near you. <laughs> Yeah, because remember in the um in the manse in the um in the forest there were like a, like a bunch of blights, and like I said the name of the tree, you're like, oh, it's the tree from the Sullen Citadel. <laughs> oh yeah, I just, I just remember that name. And um, when when I was a player, remember I said, um, how do you kill a vampire tree? Do you yeah. do you uh, have to? <laughs> Stake it with a human. Stab it with a human. Yeah, that was that was. No, you stake it with an actual stake. That was my my one of my favorite things you have ever said in a D and D game, Joey. I forget about if like I said that in character or not, but that was pretty fun. I think, I yeah, I I think it was both in character and just two players, (laughs) like just all around, just like how do you do this? (laughs) Yeah, and like um, yeah, like it's a. You're level three by the time you get there, and it's a pretty good fight for level three. Um, you're it's fighting a nice like, open area. There's a couple of uh, not only there's the big boss, there's like two thralls and like a, a pet giant toad, a frog, and then uh, you got a few blights. So yeah. it's like just enough to keep some people occupied. Like, like, none of it's like too hard, but um, there's enough stuff going on where you just don't like one shot the boss, like so many, yeah. so many other things. Um, actually, when when we did Minds of Fandelver with my other group, we had a really hard time with um, the Black Spider for some reason. Like it was almost a a, a TPK, almost not quite, but but I remember it's doing it with happen. the other with my first group, and it wasn't too bad. Depends on the party composition, how initiative it is, how the roles are. Yep. Um, it's that's also the, that's the point of randomness is to to introduce variants, not. It's also Citadel I really like. I kind of want to run it again. Um, like we have a friend named Nick who I'm going to see if their group wants to run it sometime. So. Sunless Citadel is a really good uh, if if first um, yeah if first campaign too. Yeah, as long as, as long you as you, you kind of reel in some level one stuff for beginner players. Um, yeah. I, one yeah, thing yeah. about my uh, the the time that I played it um, at the very very beginning, like when you're going when you're going down the stairwell to the dungeon, there's a apparently a pack of giant rats. Yeah. That the moment you arrive, they start to attack you, and they have pack tactics, which yeah. means <laughs> that all of the and on stairs, you you basically have to form a line. And so all they are always near each other, so they always have advantage, and they nearly TPK'd my uh, my party. <laughs> the rats, yeah. Kick yeah. them off, kick them off the the stairwell. Throw them away. <laughs> uh, we couldn't, you know, uh, that, uh, it happens before you learn uh, a very important lesson within D anD D. You can run away. Yes. Yeah. You don't. You have to em- empty every every room, especially if you are low on health. That, that's actually a bit of a problem when you're when they're taking some of these old ones and they're making them in D and D five e. Is that in older versions, from what I understand, that was kind of expected. You don't do everything one and done. You go in, take a break, 
go in again, take a break, blah blah blah. Uh, so well, when you, it's the same as long resting uh, with with right, but you don't you don't it, things aren't built up that kind of way in in modern D and D stuff anymore, unless you do some of the mega dungeons. Uh, so yeah. people are just like you play this three level th three level adventure, and you're in a room that just has like too much stuff for you to just defeat in one go. Yep. You're not supposed to. That's kind of what I was talking about. That's because yeah, you, you need the experience to you know fill up those bars. Yeah. Um, but in, in that particular case, I think it's just uh, you need to, uh, you eventually learn tactics, and you, you have to stop thinking yeah. about D and D as a video game. A more Unless modern Gate Three, then you can completely think about Boulder's uh, yeah. Yeah. as a video game. Yeah, even then you take a long rest in the middle of a dungeon, like no one cares. <laughs> yeah, and then um, just no attacking, just shove. Yeah. Okay, shove off. <laughs> um, yeah, like modern D and D dungeons would be more. They probably expect you to go in there at the beginning of a of a adventuring day, and then by the end of it, like, it's kind of when you're beginning to run out of like resources and stuff. Um, you're you're probably not expected right. to take a long rest in in dungeons, really. Yeah. Well, that's why they have wandering monsters. So it's like, uh, yeah, just oh, something I, I, more unexpected happens. I hate wandering monsters. So I don't use them. It's there so you can't abuse your players. Can't abuse just not doing things. Yeah. Whenever, yeah. whenever someone says they want to take a long rest in a dungeon, and I know they can't, I go, uh, "You don't think this is a safe place? I'm not going to bother yeah. with like them getting attacked <laughs> in the middle of camp." See, that's yeah. that's the thing with the, with the. I'm sorry. Go ahead, bud. No, I was just gonna, uh, you just describe it like you 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 hear noises in the darkness and uh, just echoes of things uh, possibly nearby. Uh, are you sure you want to s uh, sleep for eight hours? Yeah. See, that's that's one thing about DMing that you kind of have to learn as you're doing it is how to be like, okay, you, I don't, you either don't want your characters to do this, or, or you don't want your players to do this, or you don't think they could uh, realistically, and so you've got to sort of you could just say, no, I'm not going to let you do that, but that comes off potentially being dickish or just bringing out the immersion, depending on how you say it. Yeah. So you, what you said with Joey is, what you said was, you know, you, you think it's not safe to do here, where it's basically you just communicating in in sort of, in the universe way that you don't want them to do this, and you don't want to have to deal with that. And that's an okay thing to do. That is a tool in the DM's tool chest. Um, Another good were, one is uh, paranoia. The the oh. simple question: Are you sure you want to do that? Or, or how do you open the door? Yeah, <laughs> uh, a good one. Yeah, a good one that I learned from a uh, one of my the first when I started doing Adventures League. I had a really good DM. It was really good to just uh, kind of like like taken from before I was DMing. Um, and he said that he would just occasionally when characters are just doing something or talking, he'll just roll a die for no reason. He's not rolling for anything. He just rolls it, and they can hear it. <laughs> I've heard that too. Or sometimes a, a DM would just roll the die to create yeah. tension. Yeah, uh, uh, that's something I have done a couple times in in when I'm playing doing it in person. <laughs> and like um, usually it's a little different because like it's not quite the same. But sometimes I know I was DMing. I have to have to roll for something. I'm so I'm going, wait, Joey just rolled. Like what is he? What's he doing? <laughs> um, I was like nothing. You, you continue. <laughs> If, if in um, person, match it with uh, scribbling a note down. <laughs> yeah. You can also just have people just make a random perception check and then, you know, for nothing. 
I've heard some DMs do that. It's just as like a stalling tactic as they um as they prep the next room, they just go make a perception check. Yeah. <laughs> you can Even do that. Yeah, it like, works. Yeah, there's like no need for it, but they need more time. Um <laughs> This isn't technically the next adventure. Oh yeah, um Sunil Citadel recommended to play. It's a it's a good short adventure. Oh yeah. I, would, I wouldn't say it's an introductory adventure, but it's definitely a low level for newer New people, not straight new, but inexperienced people. Yeah, we had um, we had a new player. Well, a lot of us were new when you ran it. Um, yeah, but we had like I think we had five players, so it was a little bit easier. Although Sprinkins almost died a few times. <laughs> I mean, that's just how Sprinkins is. Yeah. <laughs> Arrow through the head, fall into traps, get hit by laser beams. The laser beam, and oh, that's that's one we did. So we didn't do two of annihilation. But we did uh, the turtle package. Yeah, that was. Uh, I ran that. Video. Yeah, I ran that for for Joey and uh, I think Bun. You were in there. I forget who else was. There a couple people. Um, that was couple before people. Bun. Yeah, that was before Bun. I think that was uh, you were uh, you were still running off of Patreon at the time, and um, you, you mentioned talking about it, and I think that's when I first. Uh, suggested that if you ever need any extra players, then uh, yeah, there came yeah. a point where I. Stop recording them because yeah. I didn't think they were interesting enough for people to listen to, um, or like I just better. don't. You yeah, it. <laughs> um, that sounded like you you weren't doing a good job. Like I, I just was started thinking, like yeah, I just want to play these and not worry about um, yeah doing that. And plus, it got better when we did video and stuff. But um, yeah, that one was me. I think um, Zodia just was there. Um, then other just was. Crispo and Crispo was was Sarah there? Miss Bo? Wish I wish she still had that up. Good look. Oh, Sarah was there because she um she got a dinosaur egg. Oh right, that's right. Oh, yeah. was that that was that she, also she when the thing started? Was she fake laid the egg? I remember that now. What was that? What was that fun? I I think that um was that also when the uh, when the whole mayonnaise running gag started. Uh, that was do? that was in the in the oh. one I DM'd at the very start. Oh, someone had someone had a uh, uh, the 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 jug that keeps doing any type like of a, liquid and was just mayo. Yeah, the alchemy jug. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, that was good. Um, this certainly wasn't next, but we did run the first tier of us. Uh, of um uh, uh, Oracle of War, the Eberron uh, Venture League game. Yes. Oh yeah. So this was basically came around during COVID. They'd obviously been planning it beforehand. I'd, I'd done actually no, it was before COVID. Um, because I had run it, I had played a little bit of it, and I ran it in the uh, my game stores, and I actually made some uh some uh stuff for no wait now mixing up with the Vernus ah e anyway backing up uh. It's the ale thing that they were doing, the Adventures League th thing they were doing. They did it slightly different way into how they rewarded uh, players' uh, rewards after they finished the thing, what they found, uh, what sort of legacy sort of things that they have, blah, blah. I had kept on with that, and I liked the setting, Eberron, as it more pulp adventure and steampunk, magic punk-esque sort of thing. And it's a Adventures League, so it's a drop-in, drop-out, you know, you just... You don't have to be there for the entire campaign. It's not based on character stuff. It's just a set of stories 
that are strung together or you know segmented by a couple of uh like trilogies quadrilogies etc um so for this one i ran one two three and four uh, i don't think i did the epic uh no. but yeah it was just levels one through four uh for whoever at the time could just jump in and play and uh yeah i i really enjoy that setting i really like eberron <laughs> Yeah, I, I heard the entire adventures um pretty good for the most part. Um there's definitely parts where you have to since it's eventually you kinda of have to tie things together a little more narratively. Yeah. Um and like uh flesh some stuff out. But people have said like this probably should have been like the Ebron adventure book, which which never happened. Yeah. yeah Ebron, well, it did feel a little more watered down compared to some of the other campaigns. Yeah, because it is like Adventure League, so they have to um, make it like self-contained little parts. Um, yeah, like Eberron is, is this huge setting. I think they have like two adventure books or um, uh, campaign setting books. And In five, like, so... they only have one. They had a big playtest one that was essentially a preview that you could get. That they sort of then had the Eberron source book. Uh, but there's no adventure in there. It was really just the Adventures League adventure. Um, yeah, just just one book. Um, are you sure? See, yeah, Eberron Rising from the Last War. That was that is the official book. Um, What's the? Um, oh, I'm thinking of the Wayfinder's Guide to Ravnica, and that, that's a magic. Yeah, thing. so Rav, yeah, Ravnica and Strixhaven and Theros. Theros. Those are all the Magic yeah. the Gathering settings. Yeah. But Eberron just seems like it would have been would have been perfect for a big adventure book. Oh yeah. Well it, it did. It, it was in fourth edition. Yeah, I mean fourth edition is when they introduced it, yeah. Go There's back a whole thing to, uh... a whole with the creator of Eberron like kept on making like semi official books like after the fact on like DMs Guild. That's cool. Um and since it was like he, like he didn't have the rights to Eberron anymore, but since you can write about it in DMs Guild, it's like yeah. kind of official, unofficial Eberron stuff because it's the creator of, of, of Eberron. That's yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I I just really like the um, they, they've got like a, a Warhammer Forty Thousand thing where there's a thing that happened in history, but you will never know what it is because they will never come out and say it. So in Forty K, it's like there's like two factions of the uh, two chapters of Space Marines that are expunged. All the records are expunged, so. You don't get hardly anything about that. They just tell you that you just find out they exist. In this case, in D&D, uh, in Eberron, it's that everybody was in a war, and then one of the one of the countries, essentially, just basically evaporated into magic. There's a big shroud of mist that covers the entire thing, uh, the former nation of Kyra. Um, nobody knows why. There's not explained. They, they specifically don't explain it. They just said that's where it was, and it takes place a couple of years after that. Like a magical nuke went off, and um, magic just does not work properly there. Yeah, and it just has this lingering mist where just magic just is just corrupts everything around it, or just like messes, glitches everything around it. Yeah, um, like I, I really like the Warforged. Yeah, how like they were created to, for like war, but then like after the war ended, they're like 
Like, well, like, what do we do now? What what does the Empire do with all of the clones afterwards? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, they said, like, well, some became adventurers, some integrated into society, and I think there's, like, a bad guy in Oracle of War who's, like, you know, like, doesn't want all that and all that. So, uh, um, and, like, I I like how they mix things up, um, because they made, they kind of, like, took the traditional like fancy races and gave them a little twist. So like halflings are like these um they ride like dinosaurs and stuff and they're more <laughs> like a tribal in nature. Um the orcs in like goblinoid races aren't like just evil, they're just kind of races that exist in the yeah. world. Actually orcs are actually pretty good in this setting, I think. They're more like a nomadic and all that stuff. Um I still feel like they were designing the place to uh, like if they could ever get an MMO made after uh, Eberron then uh, it would be well designed to be one yeah um, it's a good setting it's a good setting there's a a fan made Eberron game that I'm I'm kind of interested in running sometime um, which people say is a little better than Oracle War a little more structured Um, I I think I showed you once yeah I, I think I uh Showed you once saying, hey, this actually might be a good Eberron game to run sometime. Um, it's not it's not a small game. It's still kind of long. But... Oh, on, on top of that, uh, in the Eberron setting, I did run Dino World, which was a user, uh, oh, community-created one. Community-created uh, Eberron game that was basically mm-hmm. took, took the idea of Jurassic Park and built a little adventure about an abandoned... Uh, basically the the uh, semi half robot half real dinosaur park that was has been abandoned in the magical corruption for two years and you have to go and get something from there. Uh, that's a little, it's a fun little one. It's called Dino World. And a um, robot T Rex that shot lasers. Robot T Rex with Dendrian. Uh, the the Barney like mascot. Oh, Dino the Dino. I love I love just playing him and just coming up with like annoying stupid songs for him to say for everybody to be like, hey, you're the first people I've seen in two years. <laughs> Please let me sing. <laughs> Please. Yeah, that's where, oh, that's when you played the uh, the hummingbird Aracocra, which yes, is great. Flit. <laughs> flit. It was great. Dude, little, little tiny guy. We can fly. <laughs> yep. I was absolutely fascinated by the mascot and was nearly eaten by the dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that one's a, that one's a very interesting uh, little like one one show you can find on DMs Guild. Anybody listening at home, I highly recommend it, or at least take a look at it. Yeah, that was a fun one. Um, Link in the description below. So I remember <laughs> that the week we finished um, Divine Connection, um, Divine Contention, which was you know the Expire Peak sequel, um, we started what has been my favorite game in the podcast, uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Yeah, that that is my second, uh, my uh, my other of the two favorites. Uh, I'm not exactly sure which I like uh, that or Waterdeep more, but. I loved uh, it, Witchlight. There was a lot of lot of cool, neat little things in in that world. Very, very whimsical, like dark whimsicalness. Yeah. It wasn't entirely an open world setting, but how you explored uh, the world was was much more open world than uh, than anything else I'd uh, played in D anD. d Where if we if we um. If we managed to do things properly, we may have possibly gone through the entire campaign without a single battle. 
Yep, that is. It was designed to be that way. You could basically just uh, uh, undertale it. <laughs> yeah, they've never done that before with another campaign, as far as I know. Yeah, I, I was talking to um to Jess about Strixhaven. I was telling her, um, I think I have a feeling that the original tale was intent with Strixhaven was to have an adventure without any combat, um, but I think. And that is just me me theorizing. Um, but I think Witchlight was doing the same thing. And they were like, no, you got to have combat in Strixhaven. Yeah. Like, but, it's, but it's a magic school. Why would they get into fights? Nope, you got to have combat in Strixhaven. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've seen the Harry Potters. I've seen yeah. Harry Potter. And they, they do. You know, there's a lot of fighting for a magic school. Yep. A lot of. That's usually at the end when, they, when they're fighting Voldemort. <laughs> um yeah so this isn't quite open world but every zone is kind of like you get to choose where you where you go um which gives a little bit of a, of a variety in that way yeah choose your own adventure yep <laughs> and uh yeah this is a lot of fun to run a lot of really good art a lot of interesting sort of weird character like npcs and villains and stuff the hags were all i like i really like the uh the clockwork hag and the um the the hag that looked like she had like an like an opera silhouettes or something on her. Oh yeah, like a, a theater. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah, they took the idea of hags, but they it's like well, you just can't can't have like just normal you know old lady witches. It's, you know, it's like let's give them a lot of character, you know. So they have one that like looks like a little toad and makes little clones of herself, and another one. Like is obsessed with toys, so she has like a big wind-up thing on her back, and yeah, one is like a skeletal spider that has like a theater inside her her dress, <laughs> yeah, like a, a little puppet show kind of thing. Yeah, like a, like a marionette puppet. I, I, I was uh, listening to um, the the Scabatha encounter, um, the uh, clockwork, the um, toy maker hag, and. Um, <laughs> She was just a lot of fun because, like, I was uh, acting like a little granny making <laughs> for biscuits, and your character was like, "So the reason you're it's like, oh, well, the reason we're here is because do you want tea?" <laughs> and just kind of going on and on. You're getting yep, bored. Joey more does money. like trolling with the interrupting cow hag <laughs> uh, joke. Interrupting hag. <laughs> Moo. Moo. Um, but not only was this is this a really good adventure. Um, but again, uh, I think our like this group was the same as the Waterdeep group plus Jess. Um, just works really well for RP. This is definitely my favorite RP group of our uh, of our friend group. Mm-hmm. People just are, are good at getting into their characters and are are looking for the the story between them and uh, something I'm getting better at as I go along. Yeah, but I think yeah, I think you definitely did a good job in them. Um... In which light? I played was... my most hated thing, which is a centaur. I hate centaurs. Not because there's anything wrong with them, but they're just stupid. But also, the concept how, of a centaur is medium-sized. So, okay, I know you're being jokey, but there's a very specific reason, because all uh, player races need to be either small or medium oh, for mechanical purposes. I know, I know. <laughs> but I mean, like, unless they're like shorter, like... like... Like uh, little yeah. pony-sized uh, centaurs. Uh, even regular horses are larger than medium, aren't they? If you look at the uh, at the uh, art, um, 
I think especially in the new um in a Warren Kaiden's multiverse book, uh, it definitely looks like more like a pony centaur, mm. even though it's like a full grown person. Like the horse body is definitely a little smaller. We should say that centaurs came in, I think, Theros, because that was the Greco Roman setting. Yes. So it wasn't really a D&D race, although there are centaurs in the game. Uh, they're all just monsters, and I believe they are large monsters. So Anything in the Mordenkaiden multiverse book, they said, is, is, now, in is now officially, like, can be used in any setting. So, yep. Which is why I think... What did I they, think, what, what did they leave think, out of um, that? Yeah, they didn't have, like, Warforged and Loxodons and a few of the other, like, really yeah. specific... Like Magic the Gathering races. Did they have the Ganassi? I forget if they had rolled the Ganassi into there. Uh, Ganassi was in the original Monster Manuals, so I would assume so. Well, not not as players as players. Ganassi were in Princes of the they, Apocalypse. Yeah, they were in a free supplement that you could download or purchase. Uh, okay. I mean, you wouldn't be purchase. You wouldn't purchase them. I, I, I thought they them. were in. Um, yeah. Uh, in uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters, uh, alongside nope, like ASMR. In... The player, something, something, player's companion. I got it over here. Find it. I'm rolling over here. Keep talking. Blah, 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 Found something. Um, with which one? I was, I was, I was a little surprised that with as much talk as um, there was about Baba Yaga, that she never shows up. I was always expecting her to just suddenly appear because we're kind of killing all of her daughters. Yeah. You're not wrong. Uh, I don't think Baba Yaga has really been a part of. Yeah, she's not in any campaigns yet. Yeah, she's not in Five E. I know she's in kind of in earlier editions where she's just kind of but just a hag. She, but she's, like she's statted, but uh, and she's a known character. It's just um, she hasn't uh, debuted in any of the campaigns yet. So yeah, it's like this is kind of like. Is it kind of like the giant walking statues of Waterdeep, where they actually have the stat block and talk about them, but you don't actually activate them in the uh, the actual campaign. Maybe, maybe well, they don't want to kill her off before they can use her for something else. Yeah, because yeah. I just know in earlier editions like, you know, she's a character and she's powerful, but she's not like super powerful. But uh, this yeah. game kind of like kind of hypes her up to be like the mother of all hags and like potentially like a demigod or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's just the she mother of all hags. Uh, she, uh, she's uh, um, uh, she is one of the most uh, if not like the 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 original hag, she's at least one of the more powerful ones. Uh, yeah. But she's supposed to be almost as powerful as one of the um, uh, one of the uh, the queens of the fae. Yeah, I mean, she she basically taught Zablina like how to be a mage, like Tasha and all that. So um... yeah, I think I think she's one of the suggested um, uh, uh, like patrons for. Um, uh, for a, a fey warlock. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hag patron. Hag. You have three mothers. You don't call them enough. <laughs> <laughs> and clean your room three times. Never call <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I give you a piece of my toenail so we could communicate, but you never call. Because that's the thing hags can do. They can give you body parts. That, yeah, that was an option I never used with my character. I think you did it once, like you pulled out a piece of hair or yeah. something. Yeah, I, it, it was. Um, if you do the uh, the hag um, 
uh, character or, or like for player characters, they actually have that option. But I never got around to using it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. This is like anything against like the way you played uh, the character, but yeah, you didn't really use the Hagness part of it. Well, it was too afraid because I the the my thinking was the more uh, I, um the more Hag powers that were used, like the the few times I used shape shifting would be through the Hag ability. Mm -hmm. uh, the theory was that um, the curse would get stronger uh, every time and uh, lead closer to becoming a Hag. Yeah. Well, that means you couldn't give people toenails <laughs> as a little presence. Well, I did bring my clippers. Yep. Um, uh, no, I, um, I, 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 um, I, well, I had the knife, but I threw it at the rabbit and it fell in the lake. Oh, uh, this game also proves the fact that if you don't have any combat, you can actually get a lot done <laughs> um, in about 20 or so um, sessions. Because it's kind of a short campaign, considering... It's like level eight, I think. But since there's no combat to bog things down, you can just do a lot of it. You can do a lot per session. I think it, it all depended on um, how good people were at finding stuff or solving puzzles and stuff like that. Because even with the combat, you still had to think of things. Yeah. What the yeah, hell is whenever... a Wittershins? I don't know what a Wittershins is. <laughs> What's a Wittershins? <laughs> yeah, because early on, um, like even, even though it says you can do the entire thing all combat, like the book kind of forces like the Herringons to attack you unless you just like surrender, basically. Um, but there's always there always there's always way out of the combat in, in like fun ways. Like if you grab um the Herringon leader's like scarf, you can end the battle really quick. Yeah. Um, and if you like. Get the giant snails that the herringons have on your side. You can like chase them off and stuff. I'm kind of interested. In what would happen if you did just surrender to them? It's okay. We've caught you. Now what? Oh, uh, they would take all your <laughs> items, basically. Yeah. You yeah, have can't no. Have that. You have no items. Need those. Need those to fight things that oh, we're not going to fight. Oh no, my fairy powder. Yeah, I, I like the crazy castle at the end, though. The um, oh, that the, was um, a nice. House of Hearts Desire. Yeah, that was a nice little like of us failing at a puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a good dungeon, but also frustrating me a couple parts. Um, but yeah, overall... The, um, the How to get to the center area or how to get back. Yeah. People complained about right. like the locked door stuff being a little repetitive. Um, and uh, you totally like never fought the bad guys in the lower levels just because he never went there. Um, <laughs> which was fine. We got to end the adventure a little, little early, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's a little weirdly structured. I'm actually uh, one of the um, D&D YouTubers, um, XP Level 3, are almost at the end of Witchlight, so that they're at the Palace of Hearts Desire. That's good. Yep. Um, but a very fun adventure if you have a group that's really likes RP um, and likes like like dark whimsical settings. Yeah, this is a really good adventure to run. Uh, a Grimm's fairy tale setting. Uh, yeah, and it, it also yep. had a lot of NPCs, so I <laughs> I liked um, 
So many we forgot about a couple of them. Maybe <laughs> practice to, to we we had we met that oh, flat, we met the flat Stanley like butler dude. Flat Stanley. The, there's a, there's a, the paper Reedy thin Swalton. person who ran away from us. Cracks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say there's a lot of NPCs, so it was um a good opportunity for me to like practice like different personalities. So, yeah. So. Uh we forgot about helping a couple of them. Uh, yeah. The, um, uh, the, other red... cent- the other centaur. Um, yeah, we had a retcon in the last episode that you actually helped these people. <laughs> <laughs> oops. Like, oops. Um, right, during Witchlights, uh, kind of in between games, I ran the uh, the official sequel to Sunless Citadel. I know, at least for you, Mark, um, The Forge of Fury. Right, I played another. I played C Sharp, the uh, Bard Swords Bard, uh, Cobalt, yeah. and Randy played a played a uh, Swords Bard too. <laughs> I was wondering if you if you did any of the other ones from Yawning Portal. Yeah, so this was not only the next one in Yawning Portal, but it's, it's part of the same adventure path that was um, in in five in a three point five, um, which is actually made up of like a bunch of adventures, but only these two ever got updated um so this is the one where you fought the orcs you ran into some durgar then fought a dragon uh how do you as think one this, does as one does um how does like how, how do you think this one kind of compared to Citadel? i think it was a more streamlined although i think we also went we beelined the correct direction yeah <laughs> so we skipped did. a bunch of stuff so it was like, easier for us you, you skipped half one of the like you didn't yeah. do a lot of things in this, in this thing. <laughs> but uh it was it was a, i remember it being like a nice little like adventure it was varied sort of uh, it wasn't like a every room is different kind of dungeon where it was more like every room just has a thing in it in this the same dungeon uh we're being pretty good i liked it yeah um yeah you skipped like two big parts um if you remember there was like a big door that led to like the dwarven area yeah that required a key uh but you know we just lock picked it so you didn't have to go get the key <laughs> like that led yeah. to an entire other area with like um troglodytes and other creatures so you didn't this do that why part. they invented lock picking and rogues and the knock spell <laughs> yep um and then when he got to the dwarf part um, admittedly, like I um, like just wanted, wanted to be done with the adventure because we were about to start Spelljammer. Right. So, <laughs> so once you defeated the the uh, Durgar, I was like, okay, the Durgar wants you to beat the beat the dragon last boss. They're not going to make you fight the undead part of this structure, um, which is like a whole other thing. Um, that works. Yeah. So in in that case. It's definitely way more dungeon crawly than Sun Citadel, um, but the f- the flow is not nearly as good because you can't just skip entire swaths of of the dungeon. Where in a Sun Citadel, you at least have to go through all the areas. You know, you don't have to do every pretty, room. But... Pretty much, there's a couple of forking paths that you can you can that sort of loop back around, so you don't have to do every single thing in that. Yeah. But uh, they always you get you go through like a good portion of the dungeon but before if, you. Can, uh, but if you don't go there, you may miss out like on, like yeah. a encounter. It's not like an entire like, you know, half of a dungeon that you. Yeah. Skip. Um, 
So yeah, so I thought this one started out pretty good with the orcs, um, but then became a little bit too scattershot with uh, the story and the encounters kind of in the last half. Although the dragon at the end was a pretty good fight. Because the, the dragon is like protecting this uh, treasure hoard that you're after. So Not much to really say about this one, but compared to some of Citadel, considering it was like the next one in the adventure, was a little disappointing, yeah. in my opinion. But well, if your players want to do like as good as the original, yeah. But if your players want to do like a, a big dungeon crawl, I would just like not be able to lockpick that door and have them go through the undead area. Or yeah, and, so uh, maybe if they have the knock spell, it, it could. But yeah, if it's like in um, magically locked um, to prevent lockpicks, maybe as long as there's an in in game reason for you to say no, you can't do that. Yeah. Oh. Uh, do you guys know what a roper is? Yep. They are uh, uh, stalactite-looking monsters. Giant you know, stalactite monsters. But yeah, yeah, they have like big like tentacles that can grab you and they try to eat you and stuff. So yeah. that's an encounter that you guys skipped because you you know didn't you just went through the door. Um, and a lot of people says that's like a standout, potentially like deadly encounter. Yeah. I was like really looking forward to running it. But yeah, like, I think they have a high CR rating. Yeah, it's like almost a little bit too high actually for the level you are, but um <laughs> it's fine that you didn't play it, I guess. It also doesn't help that they ambush their uh their um prey, so uh they'll probably attack uh the wizard from the back kind of thing. Alright, that'll be going for a while, but we're kind of like near the end of our of our list of stuff. Um, so next you did the Spelljammer campaign for us. I really enjoyed running. So as I alluded to earlier, I basically ran this in tandem with another group, basically doing one game earlier in the week and then a second game at the running at the same uh, time or, or the same part of the story later in the week. Uh, and then at one point, one missed, and so I had to flip them back around. To, so the other green was going to blah. Either way, either way, I was doing a a one chapter a, a session for two groups at roughly the same time. I, uh, I think for, I was in the other group. Yeah, you were. There. We got you in there when one of the other person had when one of the person dropped out. Uh, it was uh, Casey from the other group dropped out, so you came in and replaced him. Um, so what this basically was. Uh, for those who don't know Spelljammer, it's basically science fantasy. It's space fantasy. Um, I really like the setting, the idea of it, having ships and weird stuff in, in space, the astral sea and things like that. Uh, mechanically, the books are lacking as uh, space ship-to-ship combat isn't really that interesting. It's just, you know, get close enough to shoot and shoot. It was the worst part the of the adventure was the yeah. ship battles. I would I would highly recommend looking up some homebrewed stuff that people I'm sure have done to to streamline and make more interesting. Or just happen. skip right to them boarding each other, so yeah, it's just a normal yeah. fight. Like, don't even worry about the ballistas and all that. <laughs> but stuff. for Spelljammer, um, what was the actual name of the adventure? The Light of Xerixis. Light of Xerixis, yes. So in this one, they basically wrote it to be like an old. Uh, space opera serial in which uh, basically things are done in 12 chapters going over uh, four levels, uh, three pages, three chapters for a level. Uh, 
Um, and each one ends on a... It's its own little self-contained thing, kind of like an Adventures League module, and then each one ends on a cliffhanger that leads into the next one, much like you would have in, you know, old Flash Gordon and uh, Commando Cody sort of things, where they'd, they'd show the their car exploding, and they're like, did they get away? And the next week you find out that they just cut out the part where they jump out of the car, and yeah. they're fine. <laughs> yeah, there was a few parts where it was like, oh no, there's a guy and a dragon coming right towards us! And then the next game was like, oh, the dragon just wants directions, or whatever. <laughs> Luckily, everyone had their parachutes. Yeah. <laughs> It was, um, uh, I really like that because I'm, I'm used to, I was used to running a, uh, Adventures League stuff, um, so I'm used to that sort of segmented one chapter, one shots, uh, things. Uh, yeah, that's why when we were looking for things to do and we recommended, um, Acquisitions Incorporated, you were like, I don't know, it's kind of long, but I was like, yeah, but it's pretty much all chapter based. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I did think this was a fun adventure. Um, but near the middle, it got kind of fetch questy to a point yeah. where it, it wasn't that interesting. A little bit. You have to. You kind of have to go and try and. You have to go to point person A and then bring them to person B, who will then help you go to some place with the giant arena to convince them to fight person Z uh, in the big climax and blah blah. blah. But as as a, as a serial as a space opera might do. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's not it's not a perfect adventure, but it's got a lot of like memorable parts. It's got a lot of interesting settings, and, and like you said, there's like some of the cliffhangers are just kind of funny. The, yeah. the, the, he wasn't really exaggerating with the uh, with the dragon rider wanting directions. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. actually a thing. It's great. Um, this is one. It's also got it's also got vampires, and although you didn't run into any space, space clowns, clowns. Yeah, killer clowns from <laughs> outer space. Yeah, I did, I did space clowns in our Strixhaven game though, so it's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, this is one. If I were to run, I would just, I would just change a few things for pacing, um, and then it becomes a much more solid adventure, I think. Um, and like one thing in it, like you know, the start you found that uh, Narloid ship or or something. Um, mm. And like that felt like oh we're like we're exploring derelict space stuff and this is really fun. Yeah, but then the adventure never cool. really gets that vibe again, really. Yeah. Um, so so you want to space things out? I wanted more space. No but pun. He was making more, a, some no, more. Oh, no, he was making a pun. He was making yeah, a pun. I know. I know. <laughs> He's ignoring it. <laughs> um. Yeah. And like we did. also we also did um. The uh, DM's Guild, uh, right? Uh, shot, like last fan-made. last flight of the Orca. Yeah, which was um a fan made, fan made. The uh the person the person who uh, wrote that spotted it on. Uh, he watched the video that you put out. I remember That's that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and he made he made like two others that were I guess in the same storyline, but they're not all like Spelljammer going to space derelict stuff. But yeah, that was um I did that one because it had door wars door wars. Which are spa- the penguin folk uh, mm-hmm. involved in it? And I was like, "Yes, I want penguin folk." And it was pretty much we took the characters from like Joey's character, and then Bun's character, and then Jess's character. And Bun and Jess were in the other game, so they all got to play That's that. No, Bun was a new character. Sorry, Bun was a new character. Yeah. Uh, but we had basically we then connected those two Spelljammer games. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. Somehow they have had the same experience. <laughs> <laughs> they um, saved the universe. <laughs> 
but this was this was like a, a body horror aliens cosmic horror type type thing as in the derelict yeah. derelict whale ship uh i really i really enjoyed it i thought it was a, a nice a nice uh we played for way too long but it's definitely a pretty yeah. pretty fun adventure i yeah. I, I, I did like the chase sequence at the end yeah. yeah, I made the um, uh, I accidentally made the blast boss a little harder than it should be because I I thought it had a, a something that happened after everything, but it was really just a reaction, so it could only happen once per round. Um, so he was he was getting way too much health back. Kind of funny <laughs> how we had two games where a uh, a guy basically summoned uh, star gods and caused everyone to like turn inside out. Because we had that um, he's from the Golden Vault in that ho- in that house in that mansion, <laughs> where like that was basically happened. Like the guy summoned <laughs> like a, a, a guy like looked into the dark into the abyss and like something looked back. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really it's gonna follow tropes because that's just yeah. how this kind of media is. Not everybody is a expert writer, but everybody can just it's, like sort no, of. No, I just mean like one was an official thing and the other one was like a fan thing. So. It's so much a trope that it's expected to the point yeah. in which if you don't include it, you feel upset. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's so, Spelljammer. It's so what has to be in. Unfortunately, Spelljammer as a whole, um, I think people look back on it pretty negatively uh, because the books were kind of lacking overall. Yeah. Um, like the adventure, I guess, is, was fun and fine, but. Um, like, yeah, I think Planescape fared a little better, but I think it has some of the same complaints where it's like, yeah, this isn't quite useful as like a setting guide. It's like a good if like yeah. you're playing in this one specific area in in um, Planescape, yeah. but uh, like the original campaign for Planescape um, was also used to explain all of the other uh, realms around it as well. Uh, yeah. I actually managed to find a copy of it on on eBay uh, for the second edition version. But it Ooh. it also mentions, like, Celestia, the Nine Hells, and uh, all of the other, uh, like, god realms and stuff that you can also travel to from Sigil. So Yeah, so it, I think some people yeah. were expecting it to be that, but it was actually just, like, a, um, a Sigil in the outlying area. Yeah, it, it's not a campaign setting. It's just a, it's just a, a um, just a campaign. Although there, yeah, there is a campaign. I know some of us are interested in that, so maybe one day we can do that. Uh, I'm definitely going to be picking up the books at some point, and I need to start getting some of the the special edition books, the ones with the nicer covers that are needlessly more money, but because their covers are really nice. Yeah, they are nice. The um, only one I have is the um, Tasha's, and man, its cover is really good. Yeah. So if you want a um, pretty streamlined. But a pretty fun adventure, Spelljammer is um, definitely good. But yep, um, if you're a DM, I might recommend altering a few things. Uh, I think it's its best purpose is um, to basically be a go-between for like if you if you want to play a game over in Dragonlance or uh, or somehow get people to escape from uh, from Ravenloft or something. Um, you, uh, it's, it's a good, um, like in between, uh, campaign setting, uh, for you to go from one area to another where you don't really have a viable way to get there. Or if you want some, uh, Githyankis in your, in your game. 
Are you saying at the end of Curse of Strahd, we're going to take a spelljammer ship and fly away? <laughs> I know, get the Yankee or ask. We're going to escape with the vampires, Joey. Oh, yeah. Strahd <laughs> is going to be a yeah. vampire. I actually heard, um, like, uh, like, what if Curse of Strahd was in Spelljammer? I was like, well, that sounds kind of cool. <laughs> if you want to play one of the completely uh, nothing wrong with them, Hadozy. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was a thing. Uh, so so mad that they they kind of dropped the ball on that um, because you know, Wizards, I, I really like the, the the mechanics of the characters. You know, <laughs> Wizards right. Coats dropped the ball on a lot of things around around they, this time. They did. They really did. Well, I think the mechanics of the the Hadnzy didn't really change, but you know, yeah, the art was very, a little problematic. Has some very questionable uh, background stuff. It's yeah, the background stuff like it makes sense in when you're you need like e- evil. You know, people exploiting an innocent, you know, race in this being the the species that they were or whatnot. Here's the thing: but with like, that, um... hey, you, we don't need to do that. You can come up with something else that's less, you know, like what actually happened in the planet or in planet Earth. What was what was bad about the whole thing is um none of that was in the original lore, right? Right. Um, and apparently, like, just one of the higher up writers just wrote it down, and since he was so high up in the chain. It never yeah. got proofread. So, uh, like, and it was a huge controversy, and like, in a, in like, they had to really restructure their, uh, yeah, uh, proofreading process. I think process. it was only published for about two months before they backpedaled on it. They had to do a reprinting. They got yeah. rid of, like, uh, I think all, if not all the art, most of it, uh, for the Hedozies. Yeah, um, yeah. There's, there's a couple, like, the action shots in some of them where they're actually doing, like, the freaking, like, gliding in onto a spell jamming ship is pretty fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's really, really problematic when you're you're basically uh trying to turn make a humanoid and a and a an ape creature together and, and you it, don't have any sensitive uh, sensitivity um or cultural um uh no, it, what's the word it, it uh probably wasn't, <laughs> it probably wasn't intentional. Oh no, no, I don't think so. But it's one of those things where it's like, oh, we should probably pr- like yeah. check out this. Um, yeah. And you know, this is around the time where uh, you know the um, OGL stuff started to happen, and uh, oh yeah, like yeah. a few months ago, there was that AI that AI art stuff in uh, in Bigsby's, and, uh, and I, I yeah. think they um, that was around the time they were also doing and giving out the reprints for Strahd. Uh, well, at least with the reprints with Strahd, it was more like it was more like, "Hey, we can be better than that. Let's fix this up." Yeah, Strahd. Um, um, there was just some insensitive uh, cultural stuff that they removed yeah. in a reprint. It wasn't necessarily like it's like, "Uh oh, they did something unintentionally super racist." It was just kind of insensitive. The, the, the tropes of a yeah. of the Universal monsters involve. Um, you know, those kind of things, and they were just building it around that, most likely, and we have since been come beyond that, those yeah. sort of tropes, or those sort of stereotypes and things. It's like, like when you look not back Not everybody in... knew that it was a derogatory term. Right. Yeah, we're talking about um, the uh, Romani-esque people in Curse of Strahd used to be called. Something now that's considered a bit of a, bit of a slur, um, so... You don't really use I do. I do want to say, like, like growing up, I don't think I ever knew that. Like, I always knew that was like a, a an ethnic sort of yeah. stereotype. I thought it was just like it's just it's your fortune magic fortune tellers all look like this. That's what I meant. I, I, I yeah, yeah. I, 
it, not everybody knows that uh, that it's a um, it, it's a derogatory stereotype. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I, I'm saying I didn't even know it was a stereotype for a people growing right. up. I thought I thought it was just a oh carnival person looks like you know has the the it's their costume yeah. or something like that. Oh, and I'm so like oh no, they're stereotyping people. That's not cool. Yeah, just as fictional as the Titanic sinking. Never sank. Didn't happen. <laughs> Never existed. Wait, Titanic nope. was real? I just learned Titanic was real. Oh my god, guys. <laughs> Poseidon, uh, was, Poseidon was also real. Um, Flipped over. <laughs> yeah, um, Percy Jackson and the Percy Jackson's and the Olympians, yeah. Yeah, that was okay. Cool. Let's uh, let's start wrapping this up um, <laughs> with the uh, the last two games that we kind of ran here. Um, the Dragons of Stormwreck Isle is the newest starter set, which uh, I know, Bun, you were in this game. Yeah. Um, which I think is a perfectly solid adventure. Uh, it was fun to play, had some fun chapters, but it really goes to show how... Um, uh, if, like we talked, I spy or peak having bang for your buck. Um, this was only a one through three adventure, and I think that is yeah, not wow. enough. Yeah, that was it, was very short. Uh, there was very little padding to it, even when I added a bunch of padding, it seemed like it was yeah. too short. I, I think we pretty much only had two real subplots to uh, or like like quests and stuff to go do before we went off to the final mission. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's but there's, there's only a two, lot of kobolds. There's only there's only two quests after you get to the main hub area, and then you're off to the, yeah. the final area. Yeah, the the, the mushrooms and the uh, the sun, uh, sunken uh, uh, sunken ship. Yeah. Right. So, so I didn't. I haven't played it. And I haven't run it. I was going to run it for someone, so I read. I read through it, so I know uh, a bunch about it. Yeah. Uh, there but, there was a scene with like a um. I, I forget it was a Griffin Manicor or something. I forget, but Albert. yeah, Albert. Uh, and there was a, you could tell that there was a lot of like story and plot and stuff in that area, but you have to search for it to uh, for it. Uh, none of it actually matters. It's like how did the Albert get there, kind of thing. And there was a story that was there, and but you just walk past it most of the time, unless unless you. It, you actively want to seek out to find out where did this Albert come from? Why, it, why it's a game it about making your own stories, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like it, I said, this is a like case of um, like this is kind of after the disappointment of like Spelljammer for some people, and like then you get the new star set, and it was like, well, the adventure seems okay, but like this is compared to like Minds of Fandelver and I Spire Peak, like this isn't a very meaty adventure. Um, and I asked uh, Shortstack and and Bryce, who also plays Sunless Citadel. I said, "Do you think this is a like which? Do you think Sunless Citadel is a better introductory adventure than Dragons?" And they're like, "Well, I think this might have been a little easier to get into than Sunless Citadel, but Sunless Citadel felt way more of a complete package and being about the same length." Yeah, it's more meaty yeah. and more fun. Yeah. Um, I still think it's a you know a pretty decent adventure, but it's like no, you're not getting something that's really in depth here. This is the um, this is the Mystic Quest 
uh, for the uh, for the rest <laughs> of the Final Fantasies. It really does work as an introductory thing, but like very introductory. Like if yeah. you're if you're trying to teach a twelve year old or something how to what what a role playing game is like, this will be great for it. Yeah. But, don't expect anything of real detail. Don't disagree. I mean, it's kind of annoying too because um, there's some plot hooks in here that lead to other events, other things you can do on this island. Um, like they mentioned, an entire like underground vent system and how there's a a drag like a ancient dragon that they think is going to awaken. Like that's what that little blue wormling's doing. He's trying to right get the power from this from these dragons and like. Um, now, are we judging? It's... Are you judging this too harshly? If I may interrupt, um, because we're no, you, you were no longer new. Well, I, I was thinking about that too, and that's why I say it's a perfectly fine adventure, and it's perfectly good beginner adventure. Um, Didn't we have a, a like a really new car- uh, player uh, in the group for it? Yep, um, uh, Miranda's yeah. was almost completely new to D anD. d yeah, so it really was an introductory uh, for them. Yep. I wanted, like, all new people, but, like, I just kind of get the group. Um, so that's why I think I think it is a good adventure for new people, but it's like it, we all agreed that it should have been a little longer, should have had a little more to it. That's where the DM comes in, too. Well, I don't want to make up stuff. <laughs> I want I'll to make up world it. just so just so I can be like, okay, what happens at this part of town? I'll be like, I know in my brain. I don't have to read it anywhere. I have just made it up. So I say, this is what happens here. The, the only homebrew I've adventure I've thought up is when they released the Minecraft monsters, <laughs> and like my stupid brain started thinking up of like Minecraft related adventures. We can go on. <laughs> well, that's why you I pull up Chat GPT and <laughs> I did the um. Well, ChatGPT is great when you want to come up with like class. I came up, I asked it once for a class of a wagoneer character, and it gave me a, a subclass of a wagoneer, whis- a wagon whisperer. And it was like, you can talk to your wagons and know what they want, and that made you better in sync with them. It was amazingly stupid. I loved it. Um, there's um, in, in the Acquisitions Incorporated, I don't know if this is in the book, but um, in the podcast, like there's basically a job where it's like you drive the cart, and as you level up, you like become more in tune with the cart, <laughs> things like that, you know. And treat it like a rigger from uh, from, uh, from Shadowrun. <laughs> uh, but back to the um, whatever I was, uh, whatever we were saying at hand. Oh yeah, making up, making up your own stuff. I had something, and then I thought a funny thing about GT Chat GPT, and then I forgot what I was gonna say. What are we talking uh, about? S G P T Minecraft. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, we oh yeah, were, uh, uh, I was going to say the the, island one and we did it, one homebrew thing for me. That's what I was going to talk about. Was that uh, well, we technically did two. One I threw into uh, adventure an encounter. I threw into um, uh, Waterdeep based on a map from Frisky Dingo. That it was like I got to make this a real map. That was just a gag in in, in an insert joke in in the show. But this other one I did, I, I came up with a, just on on my own. Uh, which was uh, Black Schist Quarry, something that Joey and I have gone back over because I keep meaning to just touch it up, finish it, and then put it onto uh, uh, DMS, DMs Guild. But yeah, that it was, was a... Yeah, that was before all all the podcast stuff. But yeah, that was yeah. like a fun, fun little one-shot dungeon. I like that Me one. Me trying to make like a one to two level thing on my own, a couple of kobolds. I, I went through 
the monster book at the time, Volo's Guide, and I found uh, um, I was just looking at monsters and I'm like, these are cool. I want to use these, and I found a Stone Cursed, which is something that I don't see them use, but is basically uh, zombies for petrification instead of zombie virus, and I loved it. <laughs> and, and Joey. Uh, if your character got turned to gold at the end, what happened? There we go. Uh, Joe, you're not turned to gold, turned to stone at the end. Oh, yeah. I, was, I, I played like a one-off character. He was like a tiefling guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he kept like touching his butt when I was a statue. Something like that, right? <laughs> um, was that a stink cow quest in Waterdeep originally? Oh, that was, in, that was not in Waterdeep. That's something I thought up when I had ran the game for the first time I ran it. And so... I had I had done that. I had um, wrote it out a lot more, I believe, because I did have like here's motivations for these other characters, here's a misdirection, here's who did the thing, um, and all that stuff. But no, that was that was my that was my doing. Well, I was saying, yeah, it was, it was, that was original. That was a homebrew thing. Oh, well, wizards right. think you're adding your own things to their adventures. I was just like, hey, it was another thing where I was like. What's this? This is a cow, but it smells really bad if you're close to it. I want to use that. That's that's cool. Actually, the the writers of the book they'll be the first to say, "Yeah, change whatever you want. If you don't like it, don't do it." Speaking um, of monsters that nobody uses, there's I think they're fire newts. There's like a couple of like level one uh, esque monsters that aren't snakes? kobolds and aren't goblins and aren't rats, and it's like. Why don't I ever see these used? There's like are, three different types of them. They're they're like fire creatures. Fire snakes? No, no, no. They're I, I fire I goblins. Fire, fire spiders? No, guys. <laughs> uh, fire newts D and D. Yeah, they're they're called fire newts. They're basically just like magma lizard like, looking people, like tiny salamanders. Yeah, but they're made of like fire and stuff. But they're but they're like they walk upright, and one of them rides, uh, like a, a creature, <laughs> which is just awesome. <laughs> but I never see them used. If they stand upright, are they like the uh, the little frilled ones that can run across water? Oh my god, they should be. <laughs> one thing I like about um, Curse of Strahd Reloaded, which is where we're basing our Curse of Strahd game, is um is that the author is like adding stuff from like Van Richting's guide to oh, it, like cool. some of the monsters and stuff. Makes sense. Yeah, so like we're, we're, we're going to have some stuff that like wasn't in the original Straw book, some creatures and stuff. It's just neat. Oh, good. Um, anyway, uh, the last thing, we're not going to talk about this too much since your two actually aren't a part of it, but the one that we were currently running and is now on hold um, we were running the Strixhaven, a curriculum of chaos, the magic school book. I was in one game. You were in one game <laughs> because you were playing your witch-like character. Yeah, <laughs> I gave you an NPC for it. Yeah, which I, I we totally used. Yeah, <laughs> no, we never ended up using it. Sorry, there's so many NPCs in this game. We yeah, didn't even use all the official ones. There's, there's some NPC students where, like, I introduced, and the characters obviously didn't like find them interesting so i was like oh you're not being used again to the dungeon <laughs> with you I, I i gave him spark oh yeah your old thing yeah I mean, like there's, there's definitely yeah. student characters that they definitely latched on to and i think that's kind of the idea it's like you introduce these the one they latch on to you keep around 
Um, yeah, it makes sense. Hey, yeah. There's always going to be social circles at a school, so mm -hmm. and you're not going to hang out with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually thinking, like, I kind of want to introduce some of these characters because we we stopped playing about halfway through because like scheduling. But I was thinking, it's like I, I want to take some of these characters we haven't done much with and like kind of do more with them, at least this school year, so at least we have a chance to interact with them some more. <gasps> uh, you could go to prom. Well, that's Wait, what no, that's what year three is. It's the big, yeah. um, it's the big dance. It's like <laughs> the end of end of the year thing. Oh, uh, um, somebody gonna get like carried, and then you're just gonna have like a, a a fight against like a big freaking like demonic entity. A blood, oh, blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So this, uh, I was talking to Jess about this, um, because we're kind of talking about the campaign so far, and uh. It's an okay adventure. Um, I actually have a lot of issues with it, but what makes it fun is definitely the players and the really unique NPC students. Um, that's what kind of makes this adventure worth it for me. It really um, seems like it's a big um, role-play heavy thing will make it better. Yeah, it because... It just invites that. Yeah, because if you just run the adventure parts of it, they're not, it's not very interesting. Um, yeah, so you was talking about with it is amazed that your campaign is still going with it because uh, it was like half that size for uh, for when they ran it. Oh, really? But yeah, they, uh, from, from what I've heard, they um, there's not too much direction on uh, the filler and stuff to put into it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's very heavily um, uh, rely uh, the, the DM has to uh, make a lot of the stuff and. Uh, they didn't put in too much. Yeah, and, and that's exactly it. Like the bulk of this adventure has been the um, the RP, and it's it's not like Witchlight where you're traveling to new areas. It's like it's almost entirely dependent on your players and the DM just coming up with stuff to happen, and, and not necessarily just making up like adventure plot points. It's like, um. You know, you you naturally become friends with some of these NPCs, so they just start showing up in uh in certain locations. Um, plot lines will start to develop with the characters that aren't part of the adventure, so you kind of work that into the um, into the narrative, and that kind of happened with our game, where they they started like veering off from you know what the adventure laid down and you know, just start doing their own thing, which I think is is like the strength of Strixhaven just as a concept. Yeah. Um, but it's good it has a, you know, overall a pretty okay, like, um, plot thing happening in the background that occasionally... I wonder if a lot of it is... I wonder if a lot of the issues are it's because it's, it's a Magic the Gathering setting. And obviously the Magic the Gathering setting is based on Harry Potter. Um... So, like, and I don't know what they did with the actual Strixhaven storyline in Magic the Gathering, because I know that whenever they do a uh, setting, they have just narratives built around that setting. It's not just, here's the set for all the cards, look at all the cool art. It's, they have a whole storyline for it, yeah, too. Yeah, too bad um, isn't here, because he, he knows all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I'm sure, I think there's books that. written. When I, was, when I was prepping for it, I definitely read the, you know, the Magic the Gathering plot line and it involves yeah. like um this bad guy faction like invading the school trying to get to like the magic source um 
that's not the adventure in the book. Like nowhere close to it. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a lot more slice of life. It does have a bad guy, but it's mostly in the background until it, like it plays more to the role play as as uh, uh, school school uh, you know school kids yeah school young adults uh, than Magic the Gathering does when you're playing a card game. I play go to prom. We all have well, to dance. I don't. Well, know. the thing is, like when you're playing Magic, you're not playing a story you're playing a card game um, right, but there's you know there's a story yeah if you go in the background it, it, um, it's like if you're in harry potter but all of you are the hufflepuffs that are just in the background while harry and stuff are <laughs> yeah. having their adventures you're you're uh you're worrying about the upcoming quiz i was i was telling jess like i don't think like what they're doing in the strixhaven book meshes with the D D adventure style right. um and like, and like, don't get me wrong. It, it's it's fine. Like, it's like what they do is fine. Um, but you're not really having an, an adventure. And when they do plop in like the D and D stuff, like sometimes it feels out of place. Um, or like they're just kind of shoehorning in like a a battle when there doesn't really have to be one. Yeah, um, things like that. Um, and uh, and I've seen some people kind of do their own. Um, take on Strixhaven, I know like XP level 3, I mentioned them earlier, is running the Strixhaven game, but they're using the book as like as like inspiration, but they're kind of doing their own thing with the story. It's like kind of the same story, but they're kind of, it's almost like a homebrew Strixhaven. Um, but like some people on the Strixhaven Reddit were like, well, my Strixhaven, they're going on an adventure across the the land <laughs> to find the founding dragons of Strixhaven and awaken them from corruption and all that. And them, they actually mentioned in reply, said, "Well, that sounds like a cool adventure, but it doesn't sound like a Strixhaven adventure." And I think that's where, um, like they they want you to have a a, a magic school experience and going on an epic adventure. You know, like you know how you do rings. that. Is it you know like, how you do that? Well, well, let me finish the thought. Like, good, good. Going on this like Lord of the Rings X adventure isn't a magic school adventure. It's like a completely different thing, and uh, I think there's a balance there. That, that the way that you would balance out. that is that you build up everything of the year that you're in to the field trip. If you're good and get good grades, you get to go on a field trip <laughs> to the magical caverns. And then shit goes down there, and you have to fight something in the magic caverns. And there you have you have your cake and eat it too. You have your school, and then you have your dungeon run to boss fight. <laughs> hey, that, that was my favorite episode of Daria. <laughs> well, I know, like when I was doing it, I was considering um, basically doing that, like having um, like ha- like a magical library where we're like, okay, we in between things we can kind of do like candle keep adventures or. Um, Keys from the Golden Vault, but it'll, but it'll be like you know, like a, a holodeck, you know, where you, you go on like these. You adventures. have missed, you have missed age yeah. books. <laughs> uh, but then, like, um, I realized, oh, that just seems like it'll unnecessary padding. So I ended up not doing that because it, it would just, it would just stretch things out way too long. Um, it, there's yeah, lots so, a bunch of '80s uh, college movies for ideas. Yeah, so. 
my, my kind of complaints about the adventure kind of does get better in the later half. Um, like this uh, next chapter, um, I was actually surprised. Like, does it follow the social event and then being attacked by something um, pattern that the first two chapters had? Um, watch and find out. You watch and find out. It's it's a lot more like, like like what you think. It's like it's the students preparing for this ball and they're involved in like the creation of it. Um, and then like the story happens, but like it's kind of the climax. Um, but yeah, we, we had to stop about halfway through because of scheduling. Uh, we, we're probably going to pick it up um, sometime in the future. But our next game will be Curse of Strahd, which uh, we can't talk about because we haven't run it. So, sorry. Are Acquisitions Incorporated, or are we keeping that one private? Oh, um, oh yeah. So I'm, the game I'm running will be Curse of Strahd, but, uh, but Mark, you'll be running Acquisitions Incorporated next week. Got to reprep it. I did half the first chapter for for uh, some people, including Joey. And immediately after doing that, we had to just disband because schedules screwed up. Yeah, the so, most impossible scheduling we ever had yeah, to deal with. National was, one on scheduling. It's it was like literally Im- impossible to schedule like the same people. So gonna, even if we, gonna... yeah. We're gonna replay. We're gonna restart that with the half different people. Uh, don't worry about the other half of people. They're they're still playing other stuff. So, yeah, they're uh, still alive. You can't prove a thing. Yeah, I can do it. <laughs> but we'll be starting this up. Of basically, uh, uh, that should be fun because I can get through and everybody can figure out when we because we landed on a cliffhanger. It's like what happened to two of our characters? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Well, it's gonna be a whole new How much damage. Did you take? This is, this is a big retcon. That first episode never happened. Yeah. Um, and then maybe you'll run the Shattered Obelisk. We'll see. Yes, would like to run that too. Yeah. But um, yeah, thank you all for visiting, for uh, visiting me along this um retrospective of our podcast. I've had a lot of fun doing these past few years. Um, if there's anything right. that you'd like us to run. And if you if you think tell us who you think is the better DM, Joey or me. <laughs> and definitely leave comments for suggestions on if there's uh, if there's any campaigns that you would be interested in, or uh, if there's any like homebrews that are really don't fun that we ideas. might not know about. We don't have time to run things we want to run. Yeah, we gotta run. Yeah, but, we gotta run there might be things. stuff out there we don't know about to look into. Well, because like, I want to run like um, Dragon. Maybe, maybe somebody want to, wants to sponsor us. <laughs> sponsor us. Because I was thinking, it's like, oh, like um, Dragonlance seems kind of fun. But I was like, when the heck am I going to yeah. run Dragonlance? Like, when am I going to have the time? And then, like, you know, the new edition is coming out next year. And it's going to have like a like a Vecna adventure or whatever. It's like, well, that sounds they're, cool. Water they're fully that. compatible. They are yeah. making sure it's fully compatible, which is yeah. honestly the smart the smart thing to do. Yeah, but thing is, if from running Dragonlance can't run Vecna, unless you combine them into one. Oh yeah, there we go. Yeah, Vecna could be attacking the end of the last home. Vecna's the um, good guy in my home, bro. I remember we're talking to uh to Jess again, and uh, we're talking about your other DM, um, Phil, I think. Yeah, Phil. Phil's really good. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I personally never met him, but like, apparently, he's just a really, really good DM. Yeah. But just off the cuff, it was like she was like, "Oh yeah, every 
you know, every game and like the DM has their strengths and stuff. And I go, well, just um, what's my strength? Do you think? And she was like, um, um I remember um. that. <laughs> no, I, we were well, like, yeah, we made it. We were joking about how you put it, put us in the spot like that. But yeah, I remember her saying specifically that you're really good at coming up with like little NPC characters or yeah. portraying them, and you are. That is definitely one of your strengths. I'm not good at that. And Phil is better at killing players. Uh, <laughs> well, he seems really good at like crafting a story. He's like I'm not going to say that he's like Matt Mercer, but like if if you were to put yeah. a, a gradient, he's the closest to Matt Mercer out of any any of the games that I have ever played. What I think he, I'm kind of good at is like running with the chaos sometimes, especially in like Strixhaven. Um Adlibbing is a very important skill. Yeah, where just all this crazy stuff happens and I'm like, "Okay, let's roll with it." <laughs> this is now a thing that's happening. You're did you guys get to the part where they were creating um uh there's these little worm thing called pest. Like these little like salamander slash lizard slash worm things. Um so they decided to start feeding it coffee beans so it can ferment in their magical <laughs> stomach. And when the the beans they turned get, into the cat coffee? Yeah, when the beans get pooped out, they'll be like super rich and flavorful. And um, and they were. <laughs> so they just, you know, fed this pest until he was like a, just a round ball with legs, pooping out beans. <laughs> and over the summer vacation, they said, well, we're going to keep this going. So they started like an entire operation where they have this pest farm where there's feeding them coffee beans. <laughs> there's an episode of Rocky and, Bullwin Rocky and Bullwinkle where they have a, a worm ranch. And the worms have a stampede at one point. Good, it's good, it's good art. Yeah. I was so gonna say the, my my. That's the thing I like about Strixhaven. It's just like just stuff like that happens, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say my strength with DM. I think I'm very very worried about or very focused on making sure I'm a crafter DM, but you can't really craft as much on digital. So I make sure that that wherever you are on maps and things like that and that you're looking at, backdrops and whatnot are reminiscent of where you are, things like mm -hmm. that. And I'm very like to be that kind of organized. Like I, I try I to do that. In... I try to do that too. Like if we're in a like yeah. a social setting, I usually try to pick a good background for us. To I just in. I just generally hate it when like in either digital or or in person is that when uh, like we'll have like a big battle or something, and just in, in an encounter or whatever. And it's like in a in a whatever, and then we move on after that, after defeating it, we move on. But like the map is still there. They don't clean up the map. They don't they don't move the thing. They don't, blah blah blah. And we're just looking at the map while we're trying to be like move on to the next thing, which doesn't really matter, especially uh uh in person because you you don't have to you have to focus on the map. But it really just throws me off. I'm just like, why am I still looking at this? It's breaking my immersion. That's why I use a lot of uh, backdrops when you're just when there's like no nothing going on. It's like okay, you're in the city backdrop now, just city street, whatever. Uh, just so you're not looking at whatever the last thing you were looking at was because you're no longer there. Sure, I guess yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I, mean, I see. Somebody doesn't appreciate all the work. I've well, done. I'm just thinking if you're in like a dungeon or something, like you don't really have a choice. You have to keep looking at the map. This is, in a dungeon, yes, but elsewhere. Yeah, you, you definitely know. like if we're in a city and there's an encounter, you like switch back to the big city yeah. backdrop with the ambience, with the same um, I kids like laughing, with, with the same kids laughing every every minute. 
look, there's only so many so many royalty free sound effects out there. Just be glad I haven't used a Doom door yet. Oh yeah. Uh Bun, <laughs> I'm sorry to say you're our worst DM. Yeah, that's that's understandable. Uh, <laughs> I, I have only de- tried to DM once and it was so miserably done that I've never tried again. Um I Please I tried try. to do a uh, a uh, a fourth edition champions superhero game. Oh, and I'm so sorry. It was, I I had to use the the campaign that was in the book, and then almost immediately when the players started to deviate where it thought they were going to go, I panicked. And I had no idea what to do. <laughs> yeah, and... that's why I'm I'm kind of sticking to official adventures or like pre written adventures. Is um. Because they account for stuff like that, like it's really hard to go off the off the beaten path in official adventures because there's always somewhere yeah. they can go. <clears throat> but um, we need a third DM. Just saying, somebody. Uh, some, oh, yeah, but but who? Well, the, uh, the, there's Bryce. Uh, um... yep, he he refuses. He did it once. Didn't like it. We'll uh, I I. I, I well, I would suggest Chris, but I'm afraid of what he would come up with. Chris would be a good DM, but he's way too busy as a father now. Je- Jess would probably do a very good job, but she is she is afraid to. I take think that Jess step. would be a good DM in the right campaign, but yeah, um, it, it is it is an intimidating step. It's if you were to ask me, also like like five years ago, if I would just be up doing DMing for people online, for random people in game stores that I've never met, and just things like that. I'd be like, no, there's no way I'm doing that, and yet here I am. Uh, I've I've said this a, a couple of times before, whereas I think that for a d- person to be a decent DM, you there are several skills that a DM can have, and you need to have at least one of them. Whether it's good storytelling, good organization with the monsters, running good combats, good uh, character and acting and things like that, or or a couple other things. If you have at least one of those skills, you will be fine at DMing. Yeah, so I've, I've, yet to, I've yet to run a game where I don't know anyone. Yes. Um, I ran a game for for our friend Sam, one of the twins, um, and her like, art students. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was in that game too, but I didn't really know the other people. That's like the closest I've I've, I've gotten. But could you could you run a game in person? I've never run Not a game digitally. personally. But do you think you could? Yeah, I think I could. Yeah, the reason why I I, I couldn't, I don't think. There's It'll a lot be... of reasons why you couldn't. There could be a fire. Um, <laughs> could be Godzilla. Be Godzilla go. attack. Godzilla, of course. No, um, it, I think it will definitely be different because I'm used to having like the music and uh, a grid and a computer screen yeah. and you know looking up things digitally. Um, oh yeah, I and, still. And I know, like, I can use like an iPad or a laptop um, for all that stuff, but I've, I've I haven't played on 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 a pen and paper. I... I put all my notes into OneNote, and I have an iPad with me. Uh, I obviously have uh, places that I know where I can get all the references for all the rules or stat blocks or anything else. And I will also print out all of the stat blocks and cut them out and keep them with the adventure when I go on in. So I can yeah, take out I would the individual stat blocks. have a lot block. more like visual guides. Um, I did yeah. hear from people who said like, RP is a lot more natural in person, obviously. 
you can see people's faces and you don't have that half second delay. Yep. <laughs> a lot easier. <laughs> anyway. But again, that is our trip down memory lane for our uh for the games we played on the podcast. We had a few one shots and um other things there, but that were those were our main games. And uh, we're looking forward to the the next chapter in the Legendary Frogcast play D D. Maybe we'll try some other systems, maybe we'll try some other other genres. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind um doing something that's like radically different than than D D. Because like I'm not really interested in Pathfinder because it's like I mean if someone wants to run a Pathfinder game, like if <laughs> people want if people want to play it, like I'm like, sure, I guess. But like that's it's just quote unquote another fantasy thing, so it's not so much different than D D. I looked into Starfinder a little bit, but I'm like, ooh, this is a lot of rules to learn just to Pathfinder. You might like GURPS, maybe. It's a point-based one, but it's it's pretty streamlined. Yeah, well, yeah, let's look at Starfinder. There's a lot of rules just to run like a few session games because I have a free module. It's like, yeah, sorry, I'm not gonna do that. (laughs) Um, But someone said like, hey, want to do like Call of Cthulhu or something? That's that's like completely different than D and D. Like. Yeah, okay, yeah. I don't think but, I think that's a game where like everybody dies. Yeah, everyone pretty <laughs> it's really much hard dies. to survive. <laughs> um, but I personally don't want to DM and learn a brand new system for that quite yet. So oh, I want to do a weird west setting. Um yeah. But yeah, I I too do not like reading. <laughs> so yeah, like <laughs> it, it, it's hard to learn a new system especially if you're not going to commit to it for like long term, so Right, and there are and, definitely ooh. easier systems out there. Uh, I, I know the some Star people. Ones. I know some people like lend themselves more to doing that, but like I'm, I'm old. I don't need to do <laughs> all that stuff. I got the 1987 West End Games Star Star Wars RPG, which uses the D6 system. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it, it, a lot more easy to understand than the new one where it has custom dice. Uh, Fantasy Flight. I love you oh, as yeah, game maker, but you just ah. <laughs> just reprinted that uh, Ninja Turtles and other strange worlds or whatever RPG book. Uh, play that. Play that. I've got one of those from the eighties. <laughs> I think it's a reprint of that book and like modernized a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Or maybe it's like, like converted to a five E system. Not really sure. Uh, I've got a Power Rangers five E book. So we got we got Sentai and we've got Hentai. Hentai RPG. You know, just Strixhaven. <laughs> yeah. Strixhaven <laughs> after dark. Now, anyway, and... most, most important question, though, do we level up? Do we level up? Um, oh, Joey, that's level... the name of the podcast. There you go. Do we level up? Do we level up now? <laughs> Can we please level up, sir? Can we level up now? <laughs> I've got to ask. Can we partake in a level? <laughs> may I have yes, some, may I have some yes, more experience? Sir, may I have enough experience to level up? <laughs> I'm so hungry here at level two. You can't you go to level three, but you class. <laughs> you can't have level three, but I'll let you have maybe you know a feat for until the long rest. Do do we level up? Is that a good podcast name? I like that. I can, like it. Can we level up? Let the viewers decide. If we get enough 
point if we if you if if we get enough bits from um Twitch. I mean, that's our. I mean, we've got our. That's the, that's going to be the call off sign. It's like thank you for listening and do we level, do up? level up? And oh, there you go. <laughs> the answer yeah, it itself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Bud. E. Thank you. And we'll see you at the table. <laughs> we'll see see you at the table. <laughs> it's all spooky. It's like <laughs> Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>